Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the RF Generation Playcast for January 2015. This is Ghost 81 For our first show of the new year, we welcome a new member to our playthrough team, our good friend Steven, better known on RF Generation as Disposed Hero, also known as the King of Rage. Welcome to the team! This time around for the retro segment, Rich and Steven are joined by very special guest Duke Togo to discuss the NES classic Kid Icarus. Duke is the host of the RF Generation Collector Cast, a show which you must listen to if you call yourself a video game collector. On the modern side, Rich, Floyd, Steven, and I learned that you can't judge a book or a game by its cover as we discuss 50 Cent Blood on the Sand for Xbox 360 and PS3. As always, you can listen to the show on Podomatic, iTunes, and YouTube, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the awesome games we play. Membership is free, so pop in for a visit. You might find yourself staying for a while. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. Welcome, uh, this is the Retro Podcast for 2015 and January. This month we played Kid Icarus, and we've got a special guest with us today to talk about Kid Icarus, uh, Mr. Duke Togo. Hey everybody, um, yep, I'm as Chris Cantrell, otherwise known as Duke Togo on the Collector Cast, so I uh, appreciate, thanks for having me on, Rich, I appreciate it. Sure, sure, and, and you want to tell them a little bit about your show for those of you, maybe the few that haven't uh, listened to it yet? Yeah, if anybody's involved in the play cast, uh, are they listen or they go into the uh, the stuff there on the site and want to play the games? Um, we uh, we've been doing the show now for about three years. It's the RF Generation Collector Cast. Uh, myself, Bill, and Crabby. Uh, we just kind of get together once a month. We you know kind of talk about a topic that usually either involves collecting or gaming. Sometimes we have some guests on. Uh, we always seem to have fun taking a few questions from the public, um, a little banter back and forth, and we just kind of have a good time with it. So if you've not checked us out, uh, collectorcast.com. You can also find us on uh, all the major places for podcasts. So, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, if you can find the show on YouTube. Uh, and I would imagine if you're listening to these guys, maybe you might listen to us as well. But if not, yeah. you know, give us a listen. <laughs> give us a listen. Well, and thanks for joining us, Chris. I really appreciate it. We've um, I've been on your show a few times and really enjoyed it. So now I'm pulling you on here to uh, help us out the little Kid Icarus, which was right. uh, our game for the month. I'll try, and... to plug, I'll try to plug you guys, too. So maybe I'll say, hey, you know, if you want to listen to more of me for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. I still have to get on that recording, too, that uh, you suggested I do for our show. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> plug, plug, get a plug away when you can, man. Take it. We have to plug, we have to plug each other. We're sort of the, uh, the brother <laughs> and sister show. They're the sister, of course. And, um, right. you know, on RF Generation. So we always have to help each other out when we can. And definitely do appreciate it podcast inception 
That's right. And also on our show this month is, um, you've heard him here before, we often call him the Beast because he dominates our playthroughs on RF Generation. Uh, Mr. Disposed Hero, or Steven, is joining us this month. And as you know, we lost uh, one of our members in December. Uh, Mr. Jamie said farewell to the uh, podcast and to the playthroughs. He'll still join us sometimes, but uh, then again... Uh, you know, he's pretty busy in life right now, but uh, we have actually decided uh, to pull on a new member, and not only is Mr. Disposed Hero a guest this month, but he will also be joining us um, in the playthrough group and on our podcast. So welcome, Steven. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Uh, I had a lot of fun participating in the playthroughs uh, over the past year or so, and I'm, I'm excited to be a member now of the playthrough committee. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Absolutely, and we're super happy to have you. Super happy to have someone who can uh, really uh, put it to the games like you do. And uh, anyone who follows our threads, uh, you know, Stephen um, uh, has really knocked him out over the over the years in 2013 and 14. So, really nice to have you aboard, bud. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So this month, like I said, we played Kid Icarus. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the game, a little bit of the history, and. Uh, and Chris can tell me where I pronounce things wrong. <laughs> All right. I'll, tr- I'll try. I'll try. All right. So this game was developed by Turu Osa- Osawa. Osawa, yes. Okay. And Nintendo's uh, research and development team won. And that was a very popular team. Uh, they are probably most famous for developing Metroid. And uh, Metroid was uh, actually put out right before this game. In in a, in a sort of a rush, uh, Kid Icarus was actually released in December of 1986 in Japan on the FDS. And it was called Hikari Shinwa Poleta no Kagami, which uh, roughly translates to Myth of Light, the Mirror of Paul Latina, which is actually a really cool name. Um, how did we get Kid Icarus? Who knows? <laughs> because um, no one on Earth is educated enough in the U.S. to know who on Earth Palatina is. Yeah. I <laughs> or anything else. <laughs> but we know Icarus, and we know that story, so sure. sure. It's Greek-ish. Greek-ish, if, even though this game has nothing to do with that Icarus myth. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. to do with it at all. It does have something to do with another myth, which, um, which we will talk about a little bit later when we get into the story. Um see this was released in north america in july of 1987 it's a 2d action platformer with role-playing elements which is sort of bizarre um and shooter elements which is even stranger but yeah 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 and you you wouldn't think of this as being a role-playing game um and and i don't think i knew it was a role-playing game or had role-playing elements until i played it this time so bizarre bizarre (laughs) I, again, we'll we'll get into some of those elements as we go through the show, and uh, I actually have the scoring system written down. So, yeah, get ready for that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> there was a Game Boy sequel in 1991, and then Kid Icarus series was dormant for 21 years uh, until the 3DS version of Kid Icarus Uprising. Uh, but of course, Kid Icarus has appeared in numerous Smash Brother games for all you Smash Brother bros out there who love to smash your brothers and, <laughs> and, and whatnot. You, In you, super fashion. There you, you go. You fighter people things. <laughs> um, so, but um, it was, uh, again, I, I'd mentioned that this game was kind of rushed, and uh, I think it was Jerry Greenwood who brought up on our, um, 
our forum. He said that to meet the game's projected release date of December 19, 1986, the staff members worked overtime and stayed in the office at night, and they used cardboard boxes as beds and curtains, uh, wrapped themselves <laughs> in curtains for sheets because the temperature was so low, and the, the, the building was uh, unheated. Uh, and from what I understand, that's pretty common in Japan um, to not have heat uh, in many in in a lot of homes and buildings. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's dedication. <laughs> pretty uh, much. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, Tosei may have had something to do with this too. Tosei was a uh, developed a lot of Nintendo games, but they were mm-hmm. kind of like a um, you know like a house that you would hire out programmers right. just to do games, and farm out some work. So I think they had some involvement. And Tosei is known yes. for some. Pretty ungodly, pretty ungodly games as well. But uh, but hey, I guess they just do whatever they're paid to do. Now now was he the one? Um, I think someone mentioned that in the you know in the rooms in this game where um, you you have the uh, just the, the sort of enemies that you can kill for the big hearts like the the sort of like um, Groucho Mark looking fi- marks looking figures. Someone had mentioned that one that those things were sort of modeled after him and his look, and that I... was sort of a, a throwback to him. That I don't know, but sort of yeah. an inside joke. Spec nose, yeah, those bad guys. <laughs> yes, right? the spec nose. Um, but um, uh, Osawa, who developed this game, um, I had read that uh, that he also had kind of um, he'd been developing this game for a while, and he worked on it alone for for a long time before they brought uh, Research and Development One into um, to help him out. And so um, he he did a lot of this game, and this is sort of his um, you know child. If you will, so it's um it's a bizarre game in many ways, but uh, you know um it it does it has a cult following though even though it's gotten sort of mixed reviews and um, I love it yeah I, I do too um, and speaking of which you and I have played it before but Stephen right first time yep first timer first timer <laughs> <laughs> how'd that go for you. It was very rough at first, but uh, it, it got easier as I went along. started to like it a lot more. That's he, Nintendo hard right there. <laughs> yeah. He finished last night, actually. Oh! It was like, yeah, oh, crap, I, I got to do this before it down the show. To the wire. <laughs> but you know what? He got the best ending, though. So there you go. I, saw I that. mean, That's it's right. like, it's, I was thinking, like, mm, wait, did I beat a game that Steven's not going to beat before <laughs> the call? Hey, I just want to say, uh, who was first? Uh, that, that's That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's right. But it doesn't count because you did not play on a, a North American Nintendo. I played on the Nintendo system. Thank you very much. <laughs> One of those guys. That's right. <laughs> All uh, original, baby. All original. So speaking of people that played the game, let me just throw out uh, the uh, list of participants that we had. Um, of course, Disposed Hero, who finished the game. Duke, who finished the game. Uh, Engineer Mike has finished the game so far. We're, we're about half of the month over, so there's still plenty of time uh, for those that haven't finished. Uh, High Wind is playing the game. Jerry Greenwood has finished the game. Metal Fro actually finished the game. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce this name. You guys will probably see him on the site. It's uh, NXCMP, like Next <laughs> Camp or something. I, I don't I know. To, uh, make up whatever fun thing you like. That's what we do. Uh, we'll pull a bill. Okay, <laughs> and Retro Rage is playing uh, Rustly Man. Mr. Russ Lyman Uh-oh, has yeah. finished the game. Uh, Silent Scythe uh, is playing, and yours truly, the Banana, has finished the game as well. And uh, so, so, just to start out with, just kind of give a basic plot summary of the game, 
It's um, basically you're sent to obtain three sacred treasures to help rescue Paul Tina, who is sort of the goddess of light, and Medusa mm. is the goddess of the dark. Your goal is to save Angel Land. Uh, you start off in the underworld, and you break out, and you try to make your way to the Sky Palace uh, to defeat Medusa and rescue Paul at a... Palutina, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Palutina. Yeah, uh, so. You know what strikes me as odd? Like, a lot of these games have some sort of prep. I mean, but it's weird. Like, Zelda at least has, like, the little opening text scroll. Mm-hmm. But, like, Metroid and Kid Icarus, nothing, right? There's mm-hmm. no intro. There's no nothing. It's just like, here, read the manual, or you have no clue. Well, you know what would be the best intro for this game? I thought of it today as I was writing these notes because I, I wrote down Jailbreak, and I was thinking, man, a Thin Lizzy Jailbreak song would be great right here. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. It's not 50 Cent, but... No, it's not 50 Cent. <laughs> or, or 50 Cent, I think, 50. is, oh, is the correct pronunciation. Mr. Cent. Mr. Cent. Um, so, I, I'd mentioned before that, you know, it, it's called Kid Icarus, but there's nothing... Uh, there's there are no mazes there are no minotaurs there is there are no flying too close to the sun and crashing and burning down there um there is no iron maiden um, he does fly at certain points he does he does that's about it that that that's it <laughs> his dad's not around <sighs> yes but but this myth does it it obviously it's a grecian game it has a grecian theme and it does borrow a little from the perseus myth um, Perseus, of course, is the one who was sent to slay Medusa, had the mirror shield, uh, the winged shoes from Hermes, uh, which you somewhat get on the last level, or it's more of a helmet that has the wings on it, if I remember correctly, sort of. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't pay that close attention. It's just that giant stinking shield and the wings flying out of his back, right? So Right. He's got right. some armor, but he does have a helmet on. Right. Yes. <laughs> We're so, getting ahead of ourselves, though. <laughs> So, just what did you guys think about the story? I mean, I know, I know, Duke, that you mentioned, you know, you just kind of get thrown into it, and um, that's about it. Yeah, um, I mean, having played this uh, as a kid, because you know, it was like all kids back then. You had maybe five games, and then you had access to whatever your other friends had. You could trade, and uh, luckily, one of my close friends that lived like a block away, they had Kid Icarus, so we would swap, and so I played a lot of Kid Icarus back in the day. So I got really pretty good at it and was really comfortable with it to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, you just beat them over and over. And, right. and that's kind of one of those nice games where you can do that, you know, keep your power-ups, go through the game again, mm-hmm. see how well you can do. Uh, so, you know, I was really pretty familiar with it coming back. You know, this time around, I wanted to get a little bit of a different take on it, so I played the the Famicom Disk System version just to kind of see what the differences were. But, uh, you know... I, if the story is simple, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, go kill stuff. Uh, don't die, uh, which is probably the key to most NES games, I guess, at the time. And for especially when it came out, I mean, you know, I think if you think about it, it's it's a pretty complex game for you know, '86. Hold on, I'm writing this down. Kill stuff. <laughs> don't, don't die. Die. That's right. Don't die. Don't Would you die. say that's kill accurate, Stephen? Yes, I. <laughs> I actually read the manual before playing the game, yes. and uh, you know it said more stuff, but it, that's pretty much what it boils down to: kill stuff, don't die. <laughs> the latter being pretty difficult in this game. And I think that was very common with um, 
older games like back then, and I know like especially with the Atari, there's all these like little taglines that I never read. I mean, I just popped in the games when I was a kid, and and pretty much still do. I don't. I'm I'm not a really I'm not a manual guy. I don't collect paper. Um, you know, love it or not, but I, I feel like you know a game like this, it it's sort of important to have things like the manual because that's usually where your story lies. Like with this and Metroid and um, you know, Legend of Zelda, you know, a lot of your stories in the manual before you even start the game. Yeah, and um, resources like uh, like the the official Nintendo Player's Guide, right? It's got a right. lot of information about Kid Icarus in there. It was one of their big titles at the time, and that's uh, why I actually pulled my old one off the shelf and used it to play in the playthrough. So, mm. yeah, well, that's that's cool. I I have that I have that Nintendo Guide too. That was what came with my. Actually, I found it the, um, last year. Finally, I found a cheap one. Uh, locally, I had been looking for one for a long time because when I bought my original Nintendo, that's what it came with. I didn't have a game with mine, um, <laughs> so <laughs> which which really wah, sucked. Wah. Yeah, it was really bad. I to... Here, why don't you read about all the games you can't play <laughs> and bug your parents? Go buy all of them. Look at what you can't afford. <laughs> that's right. Merry Christmas to you, kid. Stay at home. Read the book. Um, but I have an. But I, I have an interesting history with this game, and I think I, I've I mentioned this on the our last show at the end. I was like, kind of stick around, you know, listen next month when we play Kid Icarus, because I've got a very interesting story about this game. Um, and I hope my parents aren't listening to this. <laughs> um, I was I beat this game when I was really young. I, I was I think eleven years old, and but as as we all know, um, this game is very frustrating. I, I was in my retro store the other day and um it, i i said yeah we're playing kid icarus this month i always tell them what we're playing you know and and the manager the girl that works there is like oh she's like that's cool she's like i you know my, my kid um i think he's like just under being a teenager she's like oh my kid he plays smash brothers so i bought him um kid icarus for christmas <laughs> because um, so he would know where that character came from, and and I thought he would enjoy the game. I'm like, he is gonna hate you for that. I mean, <laughs> he's gonna rage quit that game in like two days. I mean, no doubt. Oh, come on, man. Uh, well, my my story my story goes when when I was playing this when I was 11, I was so frustrated with the game. I'm I'm kind of that guy that like half throws controllers you know i want to throw them so bad and and i end up not because i i realize the monetary value of controllers there at some go. point in that motion but instead of throwing the controller when i was a kid or kicking the nintendo i had a folding chair in my room that i would sit in and play so i could be closer to the tv and i kicked the chair the front of the chair and it it folded straight up and it sit there <laughs> straight for like three seconds and then it started tilting backwards and went through my bedroom window <laughs> so you had like that slow motion moment like no <laughs> yeah exactly and it, it broke out one of the panes in my window and i Whoops. i you know i was like um you know i think i can't remember what i told them it happened what what lie did you dish up i think i said oh the chair just just fell over or something i <laughs> I did not tell them that it had anything to do with the video game. So, uh, but, smart uh, move. Th this time through, I, I I got a Retron Five for Christmas. So, uh, my my wife would just like watch me play and just get frustrated. I was stuck on one two for such a long time, 
and uh, I would just like act like I was storing my controllers or just holding my hand like I was like about to break it. But you know, you do that, but you never break the controller. You just act of like course. you're gonna do it. And I, I, I looked over and just the looks I was getting is <laughs> just you know it's like oh wow I've never seen this side of the sky before you know. Who is this man-child in my living room? <laughs> Anything like that for you, Stephen? Did you did you have any of those frustrating moments where you just wanted to throw your controller? That, yes, just from that, a first-time that, perspective. That, uh, you're, that's, yeah, that reminded me a lot of myself. I actually did throw the controller down once, and it bounced off some metal object, uh, made a big <laughs> clang sound. And, uh, I'm surprised it didn't break, but uh, yeah, I, I, I had my moments. And that's something we were kind of talking about before the call, um, and and I guess that would be a good kind of segue into this, just the the difficulty of this game, um, and and you were saying some things about that, so I'll let you I'll let you touch on that. Yeah, it's um this game's odd compared to uh, a lot of other games in that typically your easier levels are at the beginning of the game, your easier and more accessible levels, while this game the first levels are brutally difficult, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very inaccessible for a lot of uh players just starting the game and uh you know it gets it actually gets really easy towards the end um, yeah. at least I, I thought so um and of course most games are the opposite they get much more difficult at the end and uh yeah i just thought that was a, an odd uh design choice they made but. yeah yeah i and that and that was the thing and you know that I, I fought with myself. I was like, do I do I really want to do Kid Icarus this month? Do I really want to put people through the things I went through <laughs> oh, as 11 put them through. Come on, man. <laughs> it's not that bad. It, it's it's a tough game. I, I think I think for people who did not... Uh, uh, I think there's some whiny people. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. bad. It's pretty bad. It's not. It's pretty bad in places. Oh, come on. But, uh, so and, and, and that's not a complaint. I mean, that's a part of what I love about it. You know, I... You know, this was one of those games where, when I was a kid and I beat it, ever you know, you would go, you'd go to school, and you'd be on the playground or whatever, and you know, all your buddies that you swap games with and stuff's like, oh, I beat Kid Icarus last night, and they're like, no way, no way, <laughs> you know, I mean, no one believes that you beat Kid Icarus. Well, where did you get that code from to the la- you know the last level or, you know, you know whatever. But it's it's one of those games that that really gives you an overwhelming sense of accomplishment when you when you do beat it. I mean, it feels mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But um, the good thing about the playthroughs and, and playing this as a group, and the reason I'm glad we played as a group is, is that it was very encouraging. I think to a lot of people who probably might have picked this game up at some point, played it for a while, gotten really frustrated, and put it down, and you know never finished it, um, but because it is a lot more difficult than other games. Yeah, I would have I would have quit playing this game if it wasn't a community playthrough game. But. Uh, but like I said, it's very encouraging, and you know there was a lot of hey, just get past. If you get past one three, yeah, you're good. That's the stopper, it's I think. Yeah, it's downhill think, from there. I think they could have, you know, if they would have just somehow added health drops randomly, that mm-hmm. probably would have really evened it out. But um, or even just added like one of those cup uh, health refills somewhere in one three period, <laughs> that probably would have made life a little easier. But um, yeah. I probably had to do one three over again, maybe six times, but it was—it's not that bad, right? Yeah, yeah. I I beat it on my second play. Oh, well, it was just unbelievable. I was I was on one two forever. I, I must have played that. Tw- I don't know twenty plus times. Oh and, wow, really? Well, yeah. And for me, it was because I was going for the good ending too. 
you know, so I was, I was trying to accumulate points early, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to get my health bar up early. Yep. Um, and you know, get my arrow upgrades, which the first one's pretty easy to get anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, um, uh, I don't know, you know, I (laughs) took, it took a while to do that. And, and, and what's painstaking about that is that you're, you're, you're killing all these enemies and you're killing the repop enemies because they'll, they'll pop again, uh, three to four times, I think usually. Yeah. And usually about four cycles yeah. of them yeah, you'll yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I'm killing all them and I'm slowly making my way up and then I die and I'm like, holy crap, I've spent 15 minutes on this level. Now I have to start completely over again. Yeah. And, and with a, one yeah. thing of health, one unit of health, right? Right. Right. And, and that's, that's the thing about that's that's another thing. There there are no checkpoints. There are no midway points where you're going to start. You have to start that whole board completely over. Yeah. You know? And so, that's an that's another thing that makes this game so you know frustrating. I, I think for newcomers to it. Um. The the other thing that I think is sort of the landscape of the game, and and one of the things I noticed in the game were the the sort of the platforms. You've mm. got some platforms that are solid. Yeah. And you've got others that are sort of, um, I don't know, cloud-like. It's <laughs> sort of, you know, transparent. We're uh, like, okay, <laughs> answer this, guys. Okay. How many times did you accidentally push down and fall through something that you didn't mean to? <laughs> A few times. Uh-huh. Uh, that happened to me on in World Three on one of those clouds. I, I, I just tried to duck. I didn't know you could. Uh, fall through them trying <laughs> yeah. to duck under a projectile or something and uh I, I fell off the screen fortunately i had a feather so i didn't actually die yeah but, uh yeah, i was i was surprised by that <laughs> yeah the first time you do that you're like oh no <laughs> and i think the worst one for me is that one where like the in the ice level because mm-hmm. there's like a bunch of them and that's you've got the snowmen that are shooting at yes. you and you want to duck Yes. You so badly want to duck, but you can't. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. That's that's where I took it. I took it one time this time. I was I was very careful. And and you know, you're always like trying new things out. You're like, "Can I duck on this?" or, you know, you never know. Like the moving platforms and stuff, uh-huh. you can actually duck on those. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, it, it's it, it's it's that you know, ability to play this game and to, you know, recount and remember where can I duck and work? Can I not? And your brain just does not catch up that fast. You're, it doesn't catch up with your reflexes on your hands. You're going you're to do it, you know, without thinking about it. So, And I think a lot of people, when they play this game, they start getting a little frustrated. And they mm-hmm. think, okay, I'm just going to try to run to the exit as fast as I can to get through this. And I think that's like the most horrible way to play this game you can mm-hmm. play it. Yeah, um, you got to play it slow. Yeah, yeah. It it's, is. A, it's a very... It's a very patient game. I agree. I agree. It's very. It's very. Um, I think what I what I had written down in my notes here is a very finesse game. I yeah. think. Yeah. And and that's a, that's a probably the best way I would I would say to describe everything's finesse. Um, you know, um, like like we we're talking about the platforms to the to the controls to the jumping, and there's a lot of jumping at the beginning too. A lot of tight jumps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Did you guys see the post that I put on the threads about something my friend said to me last week about the little secret to jumping and sticking the landings? Oh, I knew about that actually. You did. Oh, well, thanks for telling everyone. What? Well, no, really hey, no spoilers. It. Thanks for sharing on the forums, buddy. No spoilers, thanks. But it works on ice. It makes you stop on ice too. Yeah, yeah. It makes you stop on everything, and it's. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just like a dead stop. It's like, and it almost it's like a stick. It's like Mary Lou written. <laughs> yeah. 
works great on the ice levels. Yeah, I don't think I saw that till after uh, after I finished the game, so it didn't help me very much. But. You should go back and play level one and just try out the jumps and do it. Yeah. When you jump in the air, just hold up. And if you just hold up on your jumps, you will just like, even if your toe is barely on there. And like my friend said, because when you're, when you're jumping in this game, a lot of times you'll try to adjust. You know, you try to adjust back and forth, and that's where you screw yourself. Yeah, and it kind of almost takes that little half step or something mm-hmm. once he lands. Yes. There's a little bit of movement there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and even if it's not an ice world, there's always that just little, like, half step of movement like you were talking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. I always uh-huh. felt like he pit felt very slippery when you were trying to jump around. It always, uh, it always felt like I was moving on ice most of the time. Hmm. Yeah. Well how, did, well, how did you feel about, like, overall with the controls on this game? Uh, they were pretty good. Uh, you know, I thought they could have been tightened up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but they they weren't horrible. They were they were pretty responsive. Yeah, yeah. I know sometimes when I would go from shooting up to shooting side to side, I'd have a little bit of problem, and I felt the game does feel a little bit stiff mm-hmm. in the in the movement sometimes. Um, but I, I think that had a little more to do with the controller I was playing with than than anything else. So yeah, I think Pit kind of moves in a way that's very different from a lot of the other games of that era that you're Mm -hmm. used to so you do kind of have to wrap your mind around okay because the way the jump works is just some it's it doesn't accelerate right he just sort of has a a a linear speed as Mm -hmm. he moves through the jump it's not like mario where it's a little faster you know a little slower and you kind of have to and you and you can't do a whole lot you know once you're jumping i mean you can yeah, it's tougher to correct, I think, yeah. than some of these other games. He just he does a strange little jump, this little leg kick kind of thing, where he just kind of almost lunges instead of jumps, you know. And it's a it's a really kind of an outward jump as opposed to something that's sort of you know um, uh, more vertical. I feel like it's 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 it is it's completely different from from any other games that are mm. kind mm-hmm. of on that system. Well, so we'll move on. We'll talk a little about the um, the weapons in the game. You start off with a standard bow, and that's pretty much your trusty weapon throughout the game. And you, you basically kind of upgrade around that. Um, and once again, adding to more difficulty in the game, it has a very, very limited range. Um, At least when you start, yeah. yeah. It's pretty short, and it's pretty weak <laughs> when you're starting out. Yeah, yeah. So the big thing and the, the big upgrades is um, you're going to find most of those. Um, I know we talked about you get the three sacred treasures, but those are held by the bosses, and you don't those don't get broken out until the very last level of the game. But you do have these sort of uh, training room um, items that you can obtain, mm-hmm. um, sort of like the danger room in X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Something big, like that. <laughs> yeah, these big sort of walls tumbling at you. And if you can make it through there without dying, which I highly encourage everyone playing this game, play the training rooms. You're going to really enjoy the upgrades that you get from those. Um, you get basically three different items. There's the, um, let's see, there's the, the crystals. Uh-huh. And then there's the uh, the fire yes. that circles your arrow. And then there's the longbow. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so now let me ask you guys. Those training rooms to me are like ridiculously simple. Did you guys have any problems with those whatsoever? I I get hit a few times every once in a while, but 
I feel like I think I would stay sort of like to the right, like maybe three blocks over, and I would just keep firing up, and then I could fire like to the left, and and it wasn't so bad. Is there any secret to that? Well, I kind of stand just like just to the right of the god guy, you mm-hmm. know, where he would be. And basically, none of them will hit you from the top. All you have to do is watch out for the uh, weird occasional one that will come from left or right. Yeah. So yeah. you can just kind of sit there and just wait, and every once in a while, one will come towards you. You shoot them, and life is pretty easy. Yeah. I didn't have too much trouble with it. I, you know, I would take a couple of hits, but um, yeah, for the most part, I'd always make it through. Yeah. Yeah, I think probably the first one's the toughest, but after you've got some health yeah. upgrades. Yeah. And I posed this question on the forums. I got a few answers to it, but. Was there any certain order that you guys use as far as your upgrades? Which ones that you... I do. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I always go crystals first. Yep. And then longbow, and then fire to me is pretty worthless, so it's always the last one I get. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't add any strength to your arrow. It just gives it a little more um, girth, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way to say it. <laughs> yeah, it just gives it a little... You don't want to say range, because you could say that's long, but it, it makes your arrow a little thicker, I guess, because it circles it and allows you to hit... Increases your hitbox on your arrow. That's yeah. that's, that's that's a real technical video game way to say it. Don't you think? Is that video <laughs> gamey? Hitbox. I usually like hitbox. Uh, is that the same order you went in, Stephen? Was uh, that, or did you go in a different no, one? No, I, I, I didn't know what any of them actually did when I was oh, first okay. playing the game. Oh, did you not read your manual, Stephen? I, I read it. <laughs> I read it, but I'd forgotten. So I, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I got the bow, then the uh, fire arrow, and then the uh, the gem shield thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when I first got the bow, you know, of course, when you first get it, it doesn't do yep. anything. So I was like, "What did this do? I just I got this item, and it's not doing anything. It was a waste. I should have got something else." Yet but, another bizarre mechanic in this game. Yeah, yep. n- none of the upgrade items actually start to function until you hit full health. Right. And then they work. (laughs) Uh, Except in the palaces. I didn't know that at the time. Except in the palaces. Yeah. For some some reason. reason. (laughs) There's a spell on the palaces that keep these special weapons from working. Who knows? Medusa's evil powers. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's, oh gosh, yeah. And and the best part is, I, I can't remember who on the thread said it, but they said, well, I can't, they're like, I, I didn't know until the other day that you could actually get in that. I thought that was lava in those rooms. I didn't know you could get in it, and it was the spas. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, so you never got to use any of those weapons. Oh, man. <laughs> and there's, like, tons of them in World 2, like, towards the front to uh-huh. fill up. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, World 2, the world you don't need them on. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Oh, that's... <laughs> And that's the tough thing about this game, too, because you don't get, like, health refills between levels or anything. It's just like, nope, good luck, man. Yep, yep. And you die, and you just get that one block. Yeah. So, so, uh, but we'll talk a little bit about, I guess, um, some of the other rooms in the game as well. We we talked about the training room. Uh, We did mention the sacred items, and, um, but there's other rooms in the game, too. Um, One was the, the pot room. I guess mm. the, the pots with the question marks on them. Yeah, the treasure room. The treasure yeah. room. I can't, I can't remember what that's called. 
I or think it's that, just the treasure room. I or the little the little Reaper guy. He's got a little name, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's the it's the god, god of, of poverty. poverty. Yes, that's yes, it. god of poverty. God of poverty. So the way this works is you you hit all the pots, and the la- if you can do that without unveiling the god of poverty, you can hit the last one where the god of poverty would be, and you get something special, mm-hmm. uh, which is usually in the form of. The feather, which is, those are nice, as Stephen mentioned, especially when you make some really crazy mistakes in pushing down. Those are, those can really save you. Yeah, because um, because for those that don't know the game, when you scroll, like, up the vertical levels, mm-hmm. you can't go back down. So if you just touch the bottom of the screen, it kills oh, right. you. Yeah, 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 that upward scroll, it's it's over. Yeah. It's over if you go to the yeah, bottom of the like, I know there's a platform one millimeter below the screen. It's right there. <laughs> Don't you love it when you fall and you're like, crap, I'm dead. And then you're still like hanging on somehow. You're like... Oh my gosh, I can't move left or right because I don't know, <laughs> I don't how, know where long, it is. I don't know how long this platform is. Yeah, or the or the feather kicks in, you're hitting the button like crazy, like I fly, fly, fly. <laughs> so <laughs> what are I can't I'm trying to remember what are uh, I know there's one really special item you get besides you the can, feather. Uh the only there's one that you can only get in there, and that's the credit, credit card. card. Yeah. Um which allows you to go negative on hearts. Um you can also get the barrel and mm-hmm. oh, uh right, bottle. The the bottle, right? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And the the barrel is basically like a, well, it's a barrel, and it holds up to eight of the life bottles. Which, when you die, the life bottle, what I think it replenishes one bar of your health. I think it's yeah. right, one block yeah. of your health. One block. Yeah, yeah. Per which bottle. Is, which is nice, and it's it's really good to spend money in this game. I know that sounds very bizarre. Um, but it, it's very good to spend some money in this game, and, and I'll tell you why. But did any of you use the credit card before we kind of go any further? Um, I did. You did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. used it to stock up on bottles whenever I could. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to find it early on, and yeah, I pretty much did the same thing, just bought bottles with it. Huh. Yeah, I'd always keep like a feather or two, but mostly bottles. Yeah, I ended up getting it in my run, but I I never used it. I always had, you know usually had plenty of hearts or, you know, would, would always have enough money. So I, I never had to use it, thank goodness. But, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely um, ended up finding it at some point in the game. So it's a really weird mechanic. And it not only that, it, it doesn't really fit in with the theme. The Greeks didn't use credit cards? Yeah, I don't think so. Come on. <laughs> well, Fred Flintstone had a card, didn't he? <laughs> I, I, boy, you got me. I'll have to go back and play Dino Peak again. Uh, but the, uh, the, the final room was the, um, well, there, there were enemy rooms too, which we've already sort of mentioned where you can just kill enemies to, you know, max out on some, um, you know, really upgrade your hearts. I believe there's 10 enemies a room. So that was an easy hundred hearts. I, yeah. I, yeah. I say, I say easy, but, uh, you know, you really, it's sort of risk or reward going in those rooms, right? Especially early on, because they'll you only have one bar of health, and they hit pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the um, the final room is the arrow upgrade room as well, which, depending on your wacky score, will determine whether you get an arrow upgrade or not. <laughs> if you walk in a room and it's completely empty, chances are your score is not high enough on that level to actually get an arrow upgrade. That's so. right. So the arrow upgrade, it does a few things. It uh, allows your shots on your arrow to be stronger, 
increases your strength if you get it. And um, it changes your color, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. That is nice. Yeah. Easy way to identify that, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I, green, I that's the first one, like green, right? Like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so now I'm just waiting for someone to make me all the kid Icaruses and per- <laughs> perler beads. What a big kid Icari or yeah. oh, kid Icaruses. Pits. I think you could say pits. Pits. There you go. Yes, pits. Well, what about a couple of the other rooms, though? I'm kind of curious if you guys did this. So there's the shops, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's the black market shop. Yes. Did any of you guys use the bargaining trick? I don't. I do not know about the bargaining trick. Please Steven? enlighten us. Yeah, do you know? I don't, I don't. I don't know what that is. So. Ah, all right. So here you go. Um, in the shops, you can bargain for a cheaper price. So. If you have the NES version on the second controller, I believe it's Select that you push. And if you have a Famicom, it's you have to actually yell into the second controller microphone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. To intimidate him into giving you a lower price. But it's based off of your strength in the level. So if your strength is higher than the level number, then they'll bargain with you. So um, you get cheaper prices. Wow. Interesting. There you go. That would have been helpful to know about, yeah. Well, I can't spoil it. I can't tell you guys before the show comes out. <laughs> I give away all my secrets. One of the, um, as you guys have played the game, you know that there are these enemies called Plutons mm-hmm. that steal your training room items. And you and can't it, kill them. No, no, you can't kill them. You you just, and, and they're random. They, they pop out, well, they pop out in the same places, but... Their, their patterns are very random. Sometimes they move slow. Sometimes they move quick. They just kind of lunge at you, and so it's it stinks. And I had something <laughs> stolen from me. Oh, did you? This playthrough, yes. And I did not know this, um, but I was like, oh, man, i got to restart this level again. This was this was actually 2-2, where there's that really quick arrow upgrade that's really tough to get. Ah, uh, yeah, you got to grind and really hit all those rock guys that fall. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, so um, I had I had it stolen. I had my uh, I think my longbow stolen there. I was oh. like, oh crap! What am I gonna do? Well, I went into the next door, and lo and behold, it was a black market, and there it was. You can actually repurchase those items that were stolen. I never knew that until this playthrough. Yep, yep. That's what the black market is there for. Besides, um, also selling your barrels, which you usually can't get in the regular store. Yeah, there's black marketers and there's plutons, you know, working together in cohorts. <laughs> And the and you on know, the on the uh, on the air world where they had the flying ones, yes, right. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, tricky, yeah. tricky. They're they're easier to deal with though. If you kind of jump up to the left or right of them far enough, yeah. If you jump up they'll... beside of them and just come straight down and wait, they'll shoot across the screen and go away. Right, um, right. You know, which which they're fairly easy to deal with, so that didn't bother me, you know, as much. How about you, Steven? Did you get anything stolen? Uh, I think when I. First played level two, two. I had something stolen, but I think I died anyway, so I had to restart the level. And then, ah. uh, after that, I I never had anything stolen. I, I found their pattern to be pretty predictable, and I was able to get around them. But... It's just being at the right spot, so you can kind of hop over them right. when they come by, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think or when la- you're prepared, or them, yeah, or allow them to jump in the water, in the ice yeah. water. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. See ya. <laughs> so, well, we've kind of skimmed around it and mentioned it a few times, but I wanted to talk 
about the scoring system. And if, if you gentlemen look at your outlines that I sent you for this call, <laughs> you will see <laughs> the letters WTF with a That's question right. mark. That's right. So, the scoring system in this game is twofold. Mm-hmm. There is an XP system. Yes. And there is a strength system. The XP system basically is for powering up, which happens at the end of each level. If you score enough points, then you will get an additional bar. And mm-hmm. I think, how many bars can you have? Is it up to seven? or? I think, I think just four. Is it? Or maybe five. 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 I think five. it's five. I think it's yeah. five. Yeah, it's the first one plus, I think, four more. Yes, it's five. It is five. I've got it written down here. Um, and then the strength system with the XP is for arrow upgrade. And just let me give you just kind of an idea of what this upgrade system is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing ever. Did you look and it up? I did. I did. Oh. I, I was so interested. Someone actually took the ROM and hacked it to figure out what this system was. Someone actually oh, wow. took the time. I mean, I kind of knew like the vagaries of it, but I'm curious to hear like the scientific part of it. Okay. Okay, here here it is. And and what whack job came up with this? I have no idea. But it's very <laughs> blame, interesting. We'll right. blame Tose. Okay, so so listen. Okay. This is for your strength upgrades for your your arrows. Okay, here's how the points are calculated. You get negative 300 points for taking damage, except for damaged tiles in those rooms and lava. Okay. You get minus 10 for firing an arrow. Duke, you were correct. Yeah, I know accuracy is a part of it. Yes, and and I I did not know that. I, and I remember you mentioned it on the forums. I'm like, no way. No, no, there's no way. But This yes. game is much more shooter than people give it credit for. Yes, yes. Negative 500 for breaking breaking a jar in the treasure chamber. So not only are you going in there to do the treasure quest, but you get negative 500 for every one of those pots that you break. Wow, and you also lose hearts when you shoot those. You lose 10 hearts every time you shoot a, a pot. Wow, okay. I didn't realize that either. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're trying to get that arrow upgrade on 2-2, that really early one, do not go in the treasure room. <laughs> skip it. <laughs> yeah, skip that. Um, you get plus 300 for entering a holy chamber. You okay. get plus, plus 100 for defeating an enemy that drops a small heart, plus 300 for an enemy with a half heart, and plus 500 for an enemy with a big heart. Oh. You get 100 for collecting a small heart. You get... So not only do you... When you kill the enemies that drop the hearts, but you have to obtain the hearts, too, to get more okay. points. Three, uh, uh, th- plus 300 for collecting half heart, plus 500 for collecting a big heart. But the caveat is... You can't go over 999 points, or you don't get those experience points. Do you mean it rolls over? No. It, if you... Okay, let's say you have... Let's say you have... Um, if, you, if you have... You have to have less than 989 points to collect a big heart and get plus 500 points. If you get that heart and it rolls up to 999... Yeah. Anything after that, you don't get experience for. So that's what I'm saying. You have to use the shops to your advantage. You have to spend that money. Oh, the just hearts. Hold on to it. Yes. The hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you stop getting experience points for collecting hearts if you have too many. Oh, I see what you're saying there. So it makes sense to spend them. Yes. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. You get 100 plus for collecting a mallet. 
And those are dropped, you know, when you hit the harp. Yeah, we need to talk about those at some point. Yeah, Absolutely. You get plus 1,000 for collecting or buying back a weapon. Huh. You get plus 100 for buying anything in a shop except for a glass or a weapon. Plus 300 for entering the score tally screen. Okay. <laughs> and plus, How could that help you? I don't know. Because the level's over. Why would they even do that? I have no idea. And then plus 8,000 for killing a boss. So, Which also happens at the end of a level. That that must be, though, because that first one in 1-1, one, one, after you beat Medusa, you can wrap uh-huh. back around and get it. So that yeah. must be why. Yeah. Well, it says in these notes that this person it says redundant, and I, I guess that means like, what's the point? <laughs> like right, you just uh, said. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so now, what I just explained, that's just the strength upgrades for the arrows, which is a hidden stat. <laughs> right, right, completely hidden. Yeah. And then the other hidden stat is how you get your power up. Well, that's not hidden. Eh, a little, you don't think. No, at least not in the Famicom version, it's not. Uh, I don't know about... Well, I don't it shows your power-up, but it figures. doesn't tell you how many points you have to have, right? Uh, it doesn't show you how many you have to have, okay. but it shows, at least on the Famicom version, it shows the point total that you have. Okay, yes. And it, it does It does on the uh, Nintendo version as well. Yeah, but, but I know it's just like a cumulative amount, then when you get a upgrade, right? Yeah. Like yeah, every tw- so much. 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, and... 200,000 are basically your levels of your, your score levels to actually get your power up. So mm. the the advantage of taking it slow in this game from the onset is that you can actually power up fairly quick uh, yeah. in the game and it makes the game easier as you go through it even though mm. the first part of it's so hard which is bizarre but <laughs> there it is. There well, is you're the, weak, you know. There is the bizarre scoring system of Kid Icarus. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Um, wow. I mean, I knew about some of it just from, I remember way back when, and I don't know, Nintendo Power, or maybe it was the Player's Guide or something. They kind of give you some hints right. about how to get the upgrades and like, you know, like accuracy is important and kill as many guys as you can, that sort of stuff. I think there's but, some clue. I think there are clues in the, um, the instruction manual too. You know how like those instruction manuals for the Nintendo at the back of them, they have, well, how do I do so-and-so? You know, it would ha- it would like it would be like this like third person thing where like the manual's talking to itself, and you're like, <laughs> okay, you know, well, how the do game counselor's like, man, you got to put this in or they're screwed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so there's that part of it too. Uh, Steven is scoring. Uh? I had no idea there were so many intricacies to it. <laughs> I, uh, as far as I knew, you just you kill bad guys, you get points. That's, that's as far <laughs> as I took it. So, and that's a big difference too with between the NES and the and the Famicom version because um, on the Famicom version there's actually a high score screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not very good, as I can tell by looking at my disc. There were some people that were much better than me. <laughs> much er- better. You didn't erase those people. No, of course not. Right. <laughs> well, that's not what I. When I get a new pinball machine, I erase all the high scores. Ah, well. You know, I erase some of the save games, but you can't erase the high score table. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, did you want to talk about the hammers, or are we going to come back to that a little bit later? Sure, let's talk about the hammers. 
All right. <laughs> I want to hear this from Stephen first, though. Did you have any clue what on earth those were for? Did you figure it out? No. Uh, I uh, When I got to the maze levels, I had, uh, since they were so maze-like, I uh, had watched a YouTube video to see how to get through them, so I saw people... Uh, Ah, you know, okay. Bashing those statues, and, um, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't really care too much to collect them because I didn't think those angel guys were very helpful against the bosses anyway, because the bosses were so easy. They were really easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like kind of pathetically easy, really, honestly. Especially the yeah. first one. If you get behind him, that's that's the end of it, right? I know. Like he won't turn around. Yeah, it's 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 oddly bizarre. The the third boss. It's a little bit of a challenge just because you're you're limited in reach, you know. But that that's about it. The second one's is a pattern. His name was he drew, yeah. And Pandora is the third one, which I don't understand. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Uh, and uh, Twin Bellows is the first one, which it has two heads, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna guess they probably had pretty cool Japanese names, and and when they got to the U.S., somebody was like, oh, I don't know, Pandora sounds Greek. <laughs> Let's call it happy smiley slime face. <laughs> like well, like speck nose. I mean, come on, man. Because he's got glasses and a big nose. Spectacles. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> well, we can, we can talk a little about the enemies too. I mean, um, in the in the maze levels, you also have the dreaded but very memorable eggplant wizards. I mean, it's probably the most memorable enemy from this game. Yeah, and how many, that's, I mean, I don't throw controllers, but how many times, <laughs> that's when you want to throw the controller, when you're like, Aah! just every time, and you have to go find the stupid hospital, and then figure your way back again. Oh, man. Uh, my story before about throwing the controller was directly uh, caused by the eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Oh, and I, I, I posted that it took me well over an hour to get through 1-4, and it was just because I kept getting turned into an eggplant. I think that's the worst one, if you ask me. I mean, there's more eggplant wizards in 3, but mm. they're not in as bad a places, I think, as they are in 1. And, and they always put them near the end, too. They always put them, like, right when you're uh-huh. near the balls. <laughs> one thing that helps uh-huh. in the later ones, though, is that you have the arrow upgrade, so they take fewer hits to kill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those first ones, and you can't really like try to run past them because forget about it. You're gonna get hit, yeah. right? Yeah. And and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna spend six million hours looking for the hospital, and I can't attack. I would just kill myself when I got turned into an eggplant. Really? I just I figured you know by the time I run all the way to the the nurse and then came back, it would just take less time to kill myself and start from the beginning. Yeah, because it's always a huge backtrack. Yeah. That's you interesting. Know. See, I would always just go because usually there's a spa close by the hospital. Um, so I would I would hit the spa, heal up, and then give it another shot. Get a get a mani, get a petty. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> a petty. That's right. Kid Icarus needs some nice looking nails to fight Medusa. Uh, but I guess you know for the most part, I mean the enemy the enemies are interesting. They're fairly standard fare. A lot of them have you know specific patterns that are you know fairly easy to figure out. Um, you do have the Grim Reapers, which are very annoying. I mean, those things take, you know, they show up on the first level and they take 10 arrows to take mm, out. They are t- they are best avoided. Yeah. And they call ads. Yeah. yeah. And what cracks me up is, I mean, I know on the NES they make this weird little goofy warbling noise when they're uh-huh. hollering. Yeah. 
but on the on the Famicom version, they make this like <laughs> kind of sound when they're screaming. It's like some kind of weird bird or something. Oh man, it's hilarious! And they're just you're like, oh my god, what is that? Yeah, we we had some uh, newer players who were, they were playing the game and um, they were having a lot of trouble with you know the Grim Reapers, and that's one of the things I, I remember having a lot of trouble with when I when I had first played the game, but several of them you can really skip and you learn yeah. that technique when they turn their back, you know, they do that little fake out too. Uh huh. You know, yep. <laughs> they turn step and then I flip real quick. Like, ah, ah. I gotcha. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, a They're lot of them are avoidable character. by just kind of jumping over them and skipping them. And I, I found myself doing that quite a bit in the game. You know? They're my favorite enemy because they're so animated. Like the rest of them don't really do anything. But they just flip out, right? <laughs> oh, so, my favorite. <laughs> um, I, I guess the um, let's see. We covered the enemies. We talked about the plutons. Did you want to talk about the level structure and kind of how everything is laid out? Sure, sure. Um, with the with the game, there's kind of um, you basically start in the underworld. It's kind of a neat way that it's laid out. You start in the underworld, of course. You um. Thin Lizzie plays, and you have your jailbreak. <laughs> and then your second level, sort of the overworld, which is um, you move from a vertical scrolling game to a hard horizontal. You go Sky World, which is vertical yippee again. Mm-hmm. And then your final level is your, which is just only one board, is your Sky Palace, which is bizarre. And I know, and um, we'll talk about that in a sec. But I know that there are some really crucial differences between the Nintendo version and the uh, the disc system version on that. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole <laughs> different ball game. Yes, yes. But uh, it's... um, I really like it. It's a nice yeah. variety, right? And then you have the crazy maze levels right. to separate everything out. It is. It, it's a very nice variety. I mean, it keeps you on your toes. You're not, you know, you're not bored. And it's it's a really cool structure of the game. I mean, if you think about, it really fits well into the story of the game. Um, you know, where you know you're starting out in the underworld and you're trying to get to the Sky Palace to fight Medusa. So you're, of course, if you're in the underworld, you're trying to make it to the surface. When you're on the surface, you're traveling horizontally. You know, to to get to the uh, portion of the game where you can start climbing. And then um, once you're up there, you know, you have that one board in the sky. You know, that goes back to a um, vertical scroller, which is kind of neat. So answer me this. Do you think, because Pit starts out in the underworld, is Pit dead? That's not my impression. My my impression is that Medusa was from the underworld and her underlings captured him and took him down there. Ah. So that, that was that was my impression. I think maybe something I had read somewhere as well. Yeah, I think I read well, the same thing, that he was just imprisoned. Right. Right, but I mean, you know, they're not going to come out and say, yeah, you're a dead guy. That's kind of, you know. But yeah. think about it. You're starting out in the underworld, right? you got to climb yeah. your way out of the underworld. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, you're right. All mm. of a sudden, this Kid Icarus is now the sixth sense. You didn't know you were <laughs> dead the entire time. You get to the end, hey, thanks for saving me. Oh, you're dead. you got to go back <laughs> to the underworld. Well, thanks. she kind of, like, uses her magic power on him at the end, right? Like, yeah, the- yeah. Makes them makes them all grown and stuff. Maybe if you did well enough. Yeah, yeah. 
because he's just kind of just smiling the whole way up. So, Wait, wouldn't you if you got to meet like a Greek goddess when you finished? No, she's kind of green. well anyway so i'm curious um what was your guys's favorite level you want to tackle that one first steven what did you like the best yeah actually um i was surprised but i liked i think world three was the one i had the most fun with um i thought for sure it would be the uh horizontal scrolling levels but uh i I didn't think uh, one of the revisiting of the vertical levels would uh be my favorite you got a little, uh, you got a little kickback, a little um, illusion there to Metroid as well. With a few of the enemies. Oh yeah. I'm sure yeah. Research and Development One had a little something to do with that, putting those in there. Yeah, some little Metroid-looking enemies there, right? Uh, I don't know if they were Metroid-looking or if they were just Metroid. They're Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> a little smaller than Metroid. I, I sure. saw them in the manual. There, they are Metroids. <laughs> Uh, That's my favorite level as well. I really like the music is good. Um, I really like like those bad guys. I don't know why they're not hard at all, but like the they're like the armored knight, and they have like the little birds that are flying yes, around them, and yes. you have to kind of take them all out. Um, I I like those levels. They're really good. Yeah, I, I did too. I mean, and like like Stephen said, by the time you're powered up that much and you make it to that level, it's very you know, it's kind of comforting. It's nice to kind of revisit it and really kick its butt, you know? <laughs> so it's a really nice feeling. I also like the first, I, I also like uh, World 2, I, I think, a lot, just because of, it, it breaks up the monotony of the game a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, and just really, um, you know, just really like moving horizontal. It, it felt more like, a, to me, it felt more like a platformer. Yeah on that level and so i think that's why I, I enjoyed it a lot more very very rarely do you have platformers where you're just going to be moving up upwards or downwards the entire time so mm-hmm. so that was probably my favorite when it came to that all right well what do you guys think it, it, it's interesting this this game did not get really rave reviews when it came out and one of the things that was knocked on the game was the music, and I'm really interested to hear how you felt about that. Um, I that's come on, man. It's good music. I mean, I really like it. I don't know why somebody would knock on that. I mean, like I can sit and every time I think of any of the worlds, I can sing you the tune, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it pops I'm, I'm right with into you. my head. I'm I'm with you. I I. I when I, as I was reading, you know, about this game, I, I felt it was really bizarre that that's one of the things that people chose to attack. I, I understand, I understand the difficulty. I mean, I, I understand why people would would attack that, um, but the music I thought was probably one of the best parts of the game. My my thought is what happened is people didn't make it past the first level, <laughs> so they had to hear that music the entire time and never got to listen to any that's, of the other music. Still a good tune, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good tune. It's 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 epic. Yeah, but it's up it's upbeat. You yeah, know, bubbly. <laughs> very, my, very bubbly, very positive epic. Yeah, my right? least favorite is the palace music, right? Ugh. Yeah, it's yeah. so monotonous, right? Yeah, though. Oh come on, man! No. Yep. The the final music, some of my favorite too. I, I like the the boss battle music, with Medusa. I think the music there it's very it's very short, but I, but uh-huh. I do like it. Uh huh. Yeah. You 
And, uh, you know, like the Famicom Disk System version, uh, the opening theme and the ending theme have some extra sound channel um, FM synth to it. So it sounds even better. It's the Famicom. Music's always better. That's right. That's right. Castlevania 3 just for the music. It's so much better. Mr. probably bought Castlevania 3, didn't you? No, I don't have What? No, same game. You are so wrong. I, okay, I'm gonna drop the mic and I'm out. Uh, it's a little pricey too. No, it's not. I've seen the stuff you've bought. I'll buy Hibarake, but no, I can't spend Castlevania money. Well, all right, this is not the collector cast. It's a good point. Um, but but yeah, the um the disc system music is much better. Um, and I often like to do that when I'm when I'm playing um, games that I know that were also made in Japan. I like to go to YouTube and find the music and just listen to the differences. And uh, I know one that we we did when we did Fantasy Star. I mean, it was it was oh, amazing. Yeah, the difference you know for that game. Uh, but there, you know, we we've kind of hit on it a few times, but there are quite a few differences in the the disc version. Um, you said the better music. Yeah. Um, you also have to flip your card, don't you? You do. I mean, that's pretty typical of disc games. They have two sides. So uh-huh. the way almost all of them work is you put in side A to start the game. You'll get the title screen. Um, that will usually get to your save data. And then you usually have to flip the card to actually play. Mm-hmm. And then usually towards the end of the game, you'll flip back to the front. And if you want to save, you have to flip back to the front. So it's pretty common stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and as you were mentioning saves, I mean this game it has uh, from what I understand it has three save slots. Yep, it's just like uh, Metroid and Kid Icarus and Castlevania are mm-hmm. all just the save screens look just like pretty much just like the Zelda save screen uh, oh, okay. in the U.S. Right. Wow. Yeah, that, and that was one of the things that that someone had mentioned um, in the threads was that you know they they couldn't understand why. We did not have a save, you know. I mean, because you you had Zelda, which had a save, and, and why they were using the password system at this point, which was uh, and I sort think, of bizarre. Yeah, and I think I had mentioned that too. I had wondered if they'd started down that road, and maybe there was uh, an issue with cost. Because um, if you look at those games, they're actually on the board that can accept a battery. Um, so all they would have to do is program it and add a battery. It's it's the same thing. So they could have done it. They probably started down that path. And then for whatever reason, uh, probably a cost issue, Yeah. Um, cut it. Yeah, yeah, bizarre. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine Zelda with a password system? <sighs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine any game now with a password system. I, it's, I feel it, for you guys, it's uh, rough. It's it, so it's, much easier to save to a disc. But you know what? With my game, it was uh-huh. awesome because oh, I played on the Retron. And uh-huh. you just cut it off, and you turn it back on, and you start where you left off. That's perfect. What about you, Stephen? Did you have to write awesome. down all these passwords? Yeah, well, well, I had to enter a 26-digit password every time <laughs> I started the game. So. Oh, did and, you now? And this one's horrible because there's tons of different characters, like small letters and yep. stuff, right? Yep. Yeah, uppercase, lowercase, numbers. Oh, it's terrible. Dude, dude don't, don't, don't feel bad for him. He's 28. He never had to do it. Oh, he's a young and you yeah. okay. you hey, gotta I, earn I your had stripes. And back in the day, I just I didn't have it very long before the Super Nintendo came out. But uh, whippersnappers, yeah. <laughs> he had a, he had an NES back in the day and just was smart enough not to buy Kid Icarus. I kid, 
<laughs> to get frustrated classic. and quit playing video games forever. It's a classic. It is a little bit wrong, though, that um, for the classic series, we got Zelda and we got Metroid, but I didn't get a Kid Icarus classics. Yeah. Are, are you talking about on the... Um... The NES re-releases. Oh, okay. Well, how about the um, uh, the Game Boy Advance? We didn't get it there either, did we? I think they did in Japan. Japan, they did. It was a yellow cart to match mm. the color of the Famicom disc. Oh, that's so awesome! Aww. Now I know I need to go Japan get one. Japan is so much better than us. It really are. And <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be going through this Majora's Mask debacle in Japan. No, or Europe. <laughs> we wouldn't go through it in Europe either. Thank you, in a way. Uh, but uh, another thing, another difference in the disc system is that there is no. Um, there's no carryover, as I understand, on the second playthrough. You just start the game completely over. That's correct, since it's um, a high-score system, right? Because mm-hmm. the save screen, when you go to load your file, mm-hmm. um, uh, that has the top scores. Mm-hmm. So it's a high-score game. So mm-hmm. no, you don't get to start over. you got to for... get high-score on one run. Yep, yep. And for all you people in North America who have this game on your Nintendo... Um, and if you're crazy enough, you can play the game again. But know <laughs> this, you will start with your weapon upgrades. You will have everything that you had from the uh, treasure rooms, and you will start with all of those weapons. So if you play through it the second time, it's kind of nice. You can kind of breeze through those first few levels. Uh, Weak Americans need a leg up. And, and know what that's like. And, and there's actually an arrow upgrade room at the beginning there, and I don't know how you get that. I don't know how many points you have to have. I didn't you do any. You can't uh, unless you wrap around. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you wrap around, do you get a like a sixth arrow upgrade there? Or? Uh, you, if you don't have your max yet, you can get there. Oh, get an arrow I see. Upgrade. I mm-hmm. see. Okay, but there is the five max period. Yeah, there's no diamond studded uh, pit. <laughs> I don't think so. No, <laughs> he just comes out looking like Elton John. <laughs> no, that's not in the game. Sorry. All right. All right. We talked about the high score. Uh, let's see. Here's the the oddest thing, Stephen. I, I want you to, to picture what Chris had to do to play this oh. game on the last level. Oh I'll let, no! The screen, <laughs> um, it in the North American version, the screen auto scrolls, and you're right. and Pit just flies. Right, right. He just flies, and you just guide him. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shoot arrows. No big deal. In the Famicom version, it does not auto-scroll. You are going, and you have to make him fly. You have to hit jump to make him fly. Yeah, you have to use the A button to make him fly and shoot, you know, because all these things are coming at you. And it's not auto-scrolling, so you better be good because, you know, uh, yeah. So it's it's tough, um, which makes the level make more sense to me, though, honestly, right. because... As an auto scroller, there's some of the parts that really didn't like. Why is this sort of the way mm-hmm. it is? But mm-hmm. when you have to do it manually, uh, it's tougher and it yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, they easy moded that thing for North America. Oh, because seriously! Not, not only not only do you not have to fly and push your 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 button to flap your wings or whatever, but you can also pass through like walls and obstacles on the North American uh-huh. version. Uh-huh. Not the case. Yeah. No, on, uh, the Japanese version. And I want you to imagine, all right, because you guys had the easy Medusa fight, which is just float exactly. and shoot. Right. I have to try to fly and shoot and dodge to kill Medusa. No, you want a, co- you want a cookie? 
No slow clap, no nothing. <laughs> no. I mean, I get silence. It's just, just silence. I, I think the easier level is just our compensation for not having a save system. <laughs> I think they probably went like, you know, this is hard enough. Kids will will be ticked off if we don't make this easier or something. Well, the kids didn't even get that far, probably. So They probably did. I did as a kid. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so did I. I got there. So, so Jerry was like, like, I never met a kid that beat this game. I was like, we have now. That's right. I beat <laughs> so the Ninja Gaiden games kid. back then. So there you go. But so, yeah, it's very tough. It's it's very tough. I mean, I barely beat Medusa. I think I had like one sliver of health left. Yeah, I was exactly the same. But on I, the North American version, because I yeah. played it enough, there's a magic spot where you can hover and yes. not get hit. Yes. yes, I I just by chance, I happened to find that spot when I was down to my last sliver of health. And uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to find it because I didn't want to replay it. If you get in that groove, the only thing you have to do is you have to time your arrows up with the head of that snake. No, I didn't mm-hmm. even have to do that. Really? Yeah, well, if there's a certain iron. spot you can stand in, yeah. you can just wail on her. Huh. Uh, except if you're playing my version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good luck! Dodge all the snakes and the laser beams and fly in, shoot the eyes. There you go. They should have made it where you had to blow into your controller. <laughs> fly. Just that yell at her, Die, Medusa! <laughs> <laughs> That would have been hilarious. <laughs> Just watching people play that game would have been so much better. There would have been videos. Oh, oh are you going to record my gameplay? No, I'm going to record you. <laughs> right. <laughs> On your giant VHS camcorder. So, just sort of kind of wrapping it up here. Um, how does this game hold up over time? I mean, that's sort of my question. I'll let Steven go because I want to hear a different perspective. Yeah, 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 I have a different perspective having not played the game before the playthrough. Um, I think it holds up pretty well, actually. Um, you know, it's just kind of the tried and true run, jump and shoot gameplay. Um, and, you know, once you get past that whole first world, it, it's actually uh, a lot of fun. Um, Would you recommend it to a friend? Not any of my friends. But, uh, <laughs> people who like really challenging games, yes. I like my friends. I don't want them to go away. <laughs> oh, a bunch of Call of Duty guys or something? Is that it? Uh, yeah, not, not, well, no, they're in the retro games, but I just don't think they would stick through World 1. Oh, wow. So what yeah. do they play then? Like Big Birds Hide and Speak or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, no, no, no. I like playing games like, uh, you know, your your Contra and stuff, but uh, I don't think they've ever beaten them. Oh, really? What a shame. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it was like going back and visiting an old friend. Um, I mean, I'm not, I haven't beaten Kid Icarus, and let's just pretend and say it's been a while. That's enough. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it kind of just came right back to me. It wasn't that bad, and I just kind of felt right at home with it. It's kind of like going back and, you know, enjoying that piece of your childhood again. It was really pretty satisfying to beat it. So, I was, uh, for me, it holds up great. But, again, you know, I've got a lot of nostalgia for it. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was going back and visiting that old friend that you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> Says you. You're like... I don't like you, man. And you're kind of like, oh, well, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. And then, you know, you, you get further away from it and you realize, yeah, I still like that guy. You know, It's kind of like the bully that you want to be friends with, but yes. doesn't want to be friends with you. That That's a great analogy. 
that, that's <laughs> you're like you. I can win him over. Nope, not happening. But, Taking your lunch every day. But I, but I do have a great history with this game, and uh, and that that's why I wanted to revisit it, and that's why I picked it. I thought it'd be nice to start the new year off with um, you know something from my past, something that I have fond memories of. Um, try not to kick a chair through a window this time. <laughs> and, um, you know, just, it, it's a game that doesn't garner a lot of love from a, a lot of Nintendo people. It's, it, it, it was a game that laid dormant for 21 years before they, you know, needed some characters for Smash Brothers, basically, and, and, you know, sort of brought it back out. And to me, that's really sad. I think this would have, this is one of the games where I was always like, why are they not making more of this game? I mean, you Could know. you imagine a Super Nintendo version? Oh, like a 2D, you yeah. know? Just, it would it have been incredible. I, I, I don't know what, what stopped them from, you know, pursuing that. It, it's such a, it, it has, of course the mythology is completely wrong in it, but it, but it has a nice little story. It has a nice little, you know, mythology, um, a nice little world of its own, I guess you could say. You know, Metroid's got its space world, you know, and it's, you know, Zelda's got its very, um, you know, fable, legendary world. And this has its just sort of like, you know, kind of Grecian world of, you know, something that's on its own. And I and I can't imagine why nothing was ever made for this or, or why they just chose to stop making these games. Knowing Nintendo... Um, they probably did start up some projects from time to time, but they, um, you know, from what I understand, they'll ramp a project up and if they just don't think it's up to snuff, they'll just table it and maybe they come back to it. Maybe they don't. So it wouldn't surprise me in a Nintendo vault somewhere if there were some, at least prototypes of a 16 bit version or something sitting somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Nintendo. So how, how would you compare this game to like the other big hitters at the time? I mean... You know, um, Kid Icarus came in a silver box, mm-hmm. just like Metroid. And then you had Zelda that came out, came in the mm-hmm. gold box. You know, this is yeah. this is it right here, guys. This is the gold box. This is the gold game. Yeah, you and they all came out pretty much about the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you, well, you had the... <laughs> Uh, the stepchild rad racer. Rad <laughs> racer. <laughs> but, well, we'll we'll ignore that for now. And uh, but uh, yeah, why in God's name did that get a silver box? <laughs> I have no idea. I'd have no idea either. But uh, how how do you think like it compares to these early um, Nintendo adventure games, uh, Metroid and Zelda? Um, I mean, I think I think it holds its own. You know, in certain respects, it's. Well, they were the, um, you know, they were the disk system trio, right? So Zelda was the, basically the launch game, uh, well, pretty close to that with, and then there was like Mario 2 uh, with the disk system, and then those other games came pretty close after to take advantage of the save feature, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I, I could imagine, because before that, there was really very little option for having huge worlds in games, like for 1986, you know? Right. Um so that was a big feature, and I think it holds up really well. I mean, they're different types of games, um, certainly, yeah. but uh, I think if you take Kid Icarus for what it is, um, which is a hybrid uh, action shooter... RPG. With RPG, yeah. I think if you take it what it is and not try to 
make it like one of the others or, or say it should have been like one of the others because it isn't. Mm-hmm. I think if you take it on its own merit, I think it stands up wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's a great game. It's just, it, you know, it's just a real shame it didn't garner, like I said, the success of the others. And I think, I think a lot of it probably had to do with the production of the game. I think it was rushed. It was put out, you know, rushed. It... It probably should have been a longer game. They they had levels designed for it, additional levels designed for it, but they just didn't have the time to finish it and and do that. And I think that I think it would have probably been a little crisper game had they play tested a little more and you know not really rushed it out the door and probably been you know just as memorable as you know say uh, you know Metroid or Zelda. But I, I think you, I think today when you say Kid Icarus, people know the game. I mean, I don't think it's one of those titles that someone's, you know, going to stumble across and be like, oh, here's Kid Icarus. I've never heard of that, you know, even though it, you know, laid dormant for, you know, a lot of years. Um, it, it does have quite a following. It makes me wonder if the younger kids that just know Pit from Smash Brothers even would understand that Kid Icarus has Pit in it. Yeah. I don't know. Because yeah. it doesn't really say Kid Icarus anywhere. In the oh, game. really? See, I, I don't, I've Pit. never played the Smash Brothers game, so... Yeah. So it's just pit. Mm. Yep. You got you got to do like me with these newfangled amiibos. <laughs> I see these names, and I'm like, where does this from? What is this from? I have no idea. Uh, you, you need know, to so expand I, your Nintendo library. Yeah. So I, I have to, you know, the old guy has to look these things up, put on my little bifocals, <laughs> and uh, to do that. So. Get out of the get out of the rocking chair, Grandpa. Play so, Nintendo. So just to wrap up, all you all you youngins out there. One kill stuff, two don't die. <laughs> that's uh, that's the plan. That's, that's the Nintendo game plan. That's that's the old nuts and bolts of it right there. That's right. Uh, do you do you guys have any other final thoughts on the game or something you wanted to say about it that maybe we didn't cover? Um, I know. I think you did a really good job of kind of wrapping everything up, but talking a little bit about the history of the game. Um, and uh, I would just say, you know, I, I was really glad that you guys decided to play that. Um, and maybe we could see some more Nintendo games in the future. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love to revisit some of those. Um, glad glad you took the time to play with us this month. I know you have a busy schedule. And you have some crazy kids like I do, and things are busy around the, the old Duke castle. <laughs> it's, it is challenging at times, but yeah. uh, you make time when you need to. Yeah, absolutely. We were really happy to have you along. And Stephen, uh, wonderful to have you along as well. I was kind of hoping you wouldn't beat the game, so I'd have something to brag about and hold over <laughs> you. But uh, you did, and of course, congratulations. That's that's why you call me the beast. That's right, that's right. I just wish you wouldn't have gotten that good ending. That that did put salt in the wound, because I was 15 yeah. hearts short from that good ending. I, I could not make that up in the last level. I uh, I spent a little time grinding in three dash four right before the fu- uh, right before the boss of that level just to make sure I would have enough hearts. <laughs> Wise man, yeah. Wise man. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate you joining us this month uh, for the retro podcast. Uh, next month we're going to be playing a little bit of uh, a Super Nintendo Classic. Steven's going to be hosting that. You want to tell him what it is, Steven? Yeah, it's going to be the Legend of Zelda: a Link to the Past. Yeah. Great game. Big hitter. Big classic. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. All right. Thanks, guys.
Yeah, so I, I, I listen to rap music, and I have been for like a long time, but I was never into 50 Cent because I thought his... I always thought his delivery was like really lazy, and I know it's like he's more of one of those like laid back uh, type of rappers, but it was almost like too laid back for me. It's like couch rap, <laughs> right? But, but before we started uh, playing the game, I actually borrowed a copy of uh, Curtis or the Curtis. I don't remember the the album that I think is most closely tied to this game, and I actually. I ended up kind of liking it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be permanently in my rotation, but I like the music that was in the, the game that we're about to talk about. But yeah, now 50 Cent is kind of on my iPod. He's part of my musical universe, thanks to this game. Yeah, I I think I've never really listened to any of his music before. I've, I've listened to like some of the popular songs that, that came on the radio, like, uh, you know, like Candy Shop and uh, In the Club. And um, my my wife, of course, um, she listens to a lot of pop music. So, um, you know, I, I've basically heard that through her. But um, I, I'd never heard. I mean, I've heard the kind of the rate made for radio stuff, but never really listened to any of the uh, more kind of gangster rap that that he does. And uh, it was you know fairly enjoyable in this game. I thought I thought it fit very well. Right. I know, Stephen. You're more of a hard rock heavy metal guy right you don't really listen to rap at all yeah you're you're asking the wrong person for uh, <laughs> their their rap opinion <laughs> my my rap knowledge is fairly limited too i think most most of my rap knowledge is like old school rap like run dmc and um anything modern that i listen to is probably more um indie kind of rap music so right so 50 cent blood on the sand is uh third-person shooter it was uh, published by THQ um, in 2009 it was actually developed by swordfish studios which does they do not have a huge resume and they were actually closed down in 2010 but they did make another game that I particularly liked which was a game called cold winter on the ps2 hmm. um, which is kind of a uh, kind of just a crazy third-rate thir uh, first-person shooter, but it's it was like super gory and kind of over-the-top funny, but still really dark. Uh, it was a cool game, and you can uh, pick it up cheaply nowadays, and I would recommend it to anybody who likes first-person shooters. But uh, they basically only made this uh, Cold Winter a rugby game and... Brian Lara International Cricket 2005. <laughs> so it's quite a diverse it's resume. Uh, yeah, interesting <laughs> resume for uh, Swordfish Studios, but at least they blessed uh, blessed us with this awesome game that we played for our modern playthrough of uh, January 2015, the first one of the new year. I had actually never yeah, heard of uh, Swordfish Studios until now, so. You know, to find out that they've done like four or five games is kind of impressing me right now. Yeah, it's it's a, that's an odd mm -hmm. mix for sure as far as games that they've made. But uh, and and being such an odd mix, doing rugby games and things like that. I mean, you've got a game like this that's you know, I, I mean, it, it's not a groundbreaker, but you know, it's it's a fun game and it you know has some really smooth mechanics and uh, for a first person shooter and from limited third. amount of first-person shooters I've played, to be third, honest. Third-person um, shooter. 
third person yeah. shooter. I'm sorry. Um, see, I can't <laughs> even get that right. Um, it, it was a lot of fun and, and uh, enjoyable. Did any of you guys play the first game, uh, 50 Cent Bulletproof? No. Never. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Nobody? No. Did you? Okay. I did not. That that one actually doesn't quite have the cult status that Blood on the Sand does. It didn't it didn't really get um it didn't get the like critical acclaim mm-hmm. that Blood on the Sand did. Like uh, Blood on the Sand was more of a like, oh, surprise, this is actually a good game, but mm-hmm. it seems like Bulletproof was just, you know, a, your run of the mill bad licensed game. So yeah. I didn't have a chance to check that one out. Yeah. I was just curious. That's interesting. This being the second in the, I guess, series, if you if you want to call it that, it's, it you know, it, it's interesting that, for me, you know, with the subject matter, it's kind of you know, it's Fifty Cent, so it's a rap star. It's kind of goofy, you know. You would think like most people just kind of mail it in. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, people wouldn't maybe wouldn't take it seriously. Developers, you know, being put on such a project. But, um, I you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised with, uh, you know, how much fun it was. Yeah, it's probably yeah. easy to like, because you know, like I guess even within within the rap community, Fifty Cent is pretty big, so they can just ride up, ride his coattails basically, and just you know slap his name on there, put his his image in there, and just make an otherwise mediocre product. But I, you know, it was solidly made. You know, shooting mechanics were good, and cover was good. You know, over overall, it's pretty decently made game. Yeah, so who who would like to go over the uh, story of the game? Because this is really deep, and you know it'll probably take up most of our discussion here. Um, Let's give it to the new of... guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's not much to the story, but you know I I still wasn't paying too much you attention. You don't say. To it. <laughs> um, so I'll give you. You okay. can sum up the story in four words. Yeah, Bitch took, took my, my skull. skull. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, it. Yeah, so basically, uh, 50 Cent's playing a uh, a rap concert in some unnamed Middle Eastern country. And uh, he after the show, he goes back to collect his payment, which he learns has been stolen. So uh, right before he's about to uh, bust a cap, and the, <laughs> uh, uh, the guy running the show... Uh, the guy offers him a diamond-encrusted skull, which is apparently priceless. And about five minutes after that, that gets stolen. Uh, and he, that's and pretty much the wild the goose chase for that. <laughs> trying for to that get skull, that right? uh, skull back. Yeah, exactly. There's some, uh, uh, like, the bad guys change, and it's like, who's working for who? And mm-hmm. in the end, There's... you find out it's, it's, it's actually an American dude who's paying off the terrorists or whatever. Who cares? Yeah, some... At the end, you get the skull back, game over, the credits roll. Some very predictable um, plot twists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as far yeah, as exactly. Yeah, all bad around. Guys, exactly. That's, the, that's, the other, um, that's the other thing you could say about the game. Don't trust, you can't trust anybody. I mean, that you know, that that's throughout the story that gets said, yeah. and it's you know it's true, and you know, and you know what's gonna happen. You know there's gonna be these twists and turns, and right. The, the, you got to give them credit for throwing in this. There, there are side characters, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. they, you know, they all have you know good, pretty decent dialogue and yeah. everything. So big fan of the guy that owned the strip club. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was. <laughs> was was that uh, your highlight of the game? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm just a fan of that guy. He was just awesome looking. <laughs> With the little hat on and everything, <laughs> it was just funny. Cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. So, 
All right, so now that we got the story out of the way, we can get into what was actually fun about the game, which was the game play. Um, I played through the first, my first playthrough to just set up, you know, set up the playthrough was uh, uh, solo, but the game is actually designed as a co-op, you know, uh, two-player shooter, and you actually, even if you're playing solo offline, you pick a sidekick who is controlled by AI if you're playing mm -hmm. alone because there's all these like little contextual co-op uh, actions it's 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 a lot like Resident Evil 5 or Gears of War mm -hmm. a lot of games that have the same kind of thing but it works well in this game and I actually played some co-op with Steven for a couple hours uh, mm -hmm. a couple nights ago and that was a lot of fun uh, running around and actually gives does put a lot of uh, uh, life into the game that otherwise isn't there if you're playing alone. Yeah, I would agree. I played it alone, <laughs> and uh, I, I could see it being a lot of fun. Like it, my brother, who you know doesn't live in the same town as I do, if we played it together, I think it would be you know tremendously fun game. You know, if I can ever set it apart some time to do that. But um, I, I just kind of curious. I know in the in the solo game, you know, you have a partner, and the partner will go down, and you can go over and basically tag him and bring him back to health. Is it the same way in the co-op, or is that is that different? Yeah, co-op works exactly the same. Okay. Which makes playing co-op way easier, because, yeah. you know, if you lose all your health in single player, it's just game over. Yeah. Uh, co-op, you, uh, you know, you're able to be revived by your partner. Yeah. Seems like that would right. be a lot I actually... Fun. I commented in the thread that like, oh, we notice how easy the game is in co-op, but it, and I thought, well, there's not much difference in the difficulty levels. Mm -hmm. But then Stephen explained that it actually was because we yeah. were playing co-op. Yeah. Like we were playing on hard, and I had to once I started playing solo, I had to put it back on normal. Yeah, yeah. There's some. I mean, I I'll be honest. I played it on easy. I just I just wanted to play through the game. I'm you know I don't play a lot of modern games. I just got my PS3. You know, I'm getting used to the controls, though I have PS2, and um, and so I'm fairly used to those controls anyway. But being a first time to, you know, like a third-person shooter, not playing a lot of those, um, I, I just wanted to play through the game and, and have fun, you know. But, I mean, I even, on easy, I got to some parts that were kind of crazy where people are coming out from different sides. You'll take out one group, and people come out from another side, and they'll be right behind you. And uh, so, you know, in certain parts of the game, I could see if I had it on a higher difficulty setting, it, it would have been a, a lot tougher game. Yeah, it, it can get hairy. I did die a couple times, even on my solo easy playthrough. But for yeah. the most part, I was just invincible. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. running around. Yeah. Just hide behind the wall for a little while and get your health back up. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that was um, that's one of kind of the features I, I believe in, like a lot of the Call of Duty games. So I was kind of used to that mechanic. Uh, the duck and cover stuff, not so much, but uh, so I had yeah, to that's that. a big thing in modern games. Rich is uh, the cover-based shooter. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know Gears of War was really big for that. So. Ge yeah, Gears and Resident Evil for not really cover shooter, but the over-the-shoulder thing came from there, and Gears uh, evolved it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of game we have here. But what I love about it, it's it's that kind of game, but it's basically an arcade game. I mean, I I've said it, I said it to Stephen while we were playing, and I probably said it on the forum that this is basically if Gears of War were on the Sega Dreamcast, it would be this game because it's an it's an arcadey, looty, um, 
like there's these challenges popping up on the screen mm-hmm. as you're playing yeah. and you're smashing through crates, getting gold and getting money and watching your score rack up like a slot machine. And it's, it's just all kinds of bells and whistles and the checkpoints are all over the place and they're crazy. And you got stages like, you know, uh, s- scores popping up every 10 minutes uh, going through the game. So it's not, you know, like Gears of War is one of those games, and we've talked about this with modern games, it's one of those games that's trying to be uh, more like a movie, more like a, one of these Hollywood-style AAA new mm-hmm. school games. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, Blood on the Sand takes it back to uh, a really cool arcade feel yeah. with with what you're doing. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Did, did, did any of y'all notice that or that that arcade like key uh, in on it? Like that arcade comparison is pretty accurate because that's that's really how it feels, and it's just it's kind of like silly and mindless and like everything cranked to eleven. Um, yeah, it's like you know you got the adrenaline going and, and you know the music's pumping in the background, so it's um, you know definitely has that feel, especially when you know you take out guys and you get points for like bonus points for headshots or for yeah. for taking out somebody before they you know hit you um and it probably would a little time or two it had yeah it had like a almost bullet time type thing it was it like gangster time <laughs> um <laughs> but um no like i i played it on uh solo so i guess i missed out on some of the fun that uh co-op would have but you know, i definitely got a good feel of the game and, and i picked up on that arcade feel too um and the Gears of War thing is it's mechanically a good comparison as well. Whereas like Gears yeah. is more serious and like you said, it tries to be a movie and it's really like Hollywood, Michael Bay type, you know, stuff. And this is more just like silly and, and fun. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's that's a big credit to the people that designed this game is that they you know, they, they knew like they you know, they were doing a, a game with a with a rap star you know, in it, and they're like, well, let's make this fun, and I think, like, adding those arcade elements, adding, like, things like, um, you know, if, when you kill someone, you've got a timer that counts down, and if you kill a second person and a third person before that timer goes out, you can, yeah, you can uh, change you know, your, you get bonus things. points, yeah, yeah, and, and I think, like, those additions to this game, and that sort of arcadey style, is really what makes it stand out, and what makes it fun, and, and you mentioned the cutscenes, um, in, in you know games like Gears of War, how they make it like a movie. Well, this it definitely had cutscenes, but they weren't like super lengthy. They weren't um, overly time consuming. You know, you just kind of jump back in and you you keep playing the game. And for that reason, I think that sort of added to the arcade feel too. Because you'll play a game at the arcade, you'll get a short or a short to moderate cutscene, and then sometimes and then you'll just kind of move on. Well, those cutscenes were almost like right, not really cutscenes per se they kind of just outline your next objective sure absolutely did you guys use the taunts at all because that that just makes everything even sillier (laughs) and adds to your point multipliers and everything it's such a crazy mechanic but it just fits the game so no i didn't do any of that i think i bought like every weapon though and most of the um yeah or they count like counter attacks or counter kills or something yeah i didn't buy any of that stuff i just bought weapons (laughs) i mean I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, and not not playing a lot, I just didn't do any of the hand-to-hand combat. I maybe twice did You know what, did I didn't combat. either. Yeah, I didn't buy any of those counter kills either because I 
I, you don't really need them. I mean, the shooting was good enough. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't buy any of them, but I, I actually used it quite a bit, the uh, melee attacks. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because, well, you know, you're essentially invulnerable while you're doing it because it goes on that little... Um, a little separate uh, screen. Yeah, quick time yeah. event. It's like a separate screen. And uh, so I would just run up the guy sometimes and just press the melee button and you know, run through that little sequence. I wish. Did, did, did you use that like tactic? I'm sorry. <clears throat> did you use that tactically as in like to uh, like kind of regroup if things were getting hairy? Like Sometimes uh, I would. Kind of yeah. lock in like, with a guy and... Yeah, and generally if just any enemy was really close, I would just go into melee. But yeah, sometimes, you know, there were times where I was being shot from all angles and I was like, oh, there's a guy there. I can go into this, you know, quick time sequence and be invulnerable for a few seconds and yeah. uh, thin the yeah, numbers a little bit. And you get a really good uh, point multiplier for doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and then taunt them a couple yeah. times and... <laughs> You're on your way. Well, I didn't buy any of the upgrades for that. Is I know when when you're in that like melee combat, you're you're basically doing like you're push, pushing one button, right? I mean, you're just yeah. it, it, oh, I mean, do you have to push any other combination of buttons for the like for the upgrades or anything like that? Not that I've seen, but I didn't actually huh. buy any of the other uh, counter kills. I only had the uh, okay. default ones, but I only saw for you know for ps3 it's going to be circle uh yeah, for xbox exactly. 360 it's the b button yeah um yeah you just have to time the b button press and yeah i mean i don't know that's I funny th- i i was curious if it was only the b button because i was playing on easy and if it was uh, like more complicated uh right you know sequences if yeah. you were on harder difficulties but it so. doesn't sound no, like it i was like playing it. on yeah. media or sorry uh, normal most of the time and it was just b Oh, yeah. Nah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, I know. It seems like they could have done a little more with that, you know, and, and made it, I mean, not make it like Parappa the Rapper or <laughs> anything where you're like having to go crazy, but, you know, something where, you know, you can, you know, either kind of break sequence with the buttons to try to complete it or, you know, as you move on, or, you know, you can institute like different types of attacks if you press different buttons. At different yeah, just maps, maps different know. attacks to different buttons or something, yeah. right? Yeah, that would have been nice. But, you know, all in all, and, and as we said, I mean, None of us really used it that much, so... I don't even think it was, like... It would have been worth putting time into that. I don't even think it was, developer. like, integrated that well into the game because there's that only one mandatory hand-to-hand uh, fight scene, like, right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then after that, you can just sort of, you know, run and gun and pop in and out of cover. I think I only used it, like, twice. Yeah. The rest of the time, you're just busting caps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of busting caps, what kind of guns were you guys using? Um, <laughs> I I actually bought a heavy machine gun about halfway through the game and just kind of leaned on that the whole yeah. game. And then when I ran out of bullets on that, I found that um, the pistol, which has infinite ammo, was kind of overpowered. And you could almost, if you combine that with like the bullet time mechanic, you could like pistol snipe your way through the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I relied on on the pistol. I like. I think I eventually got the dual wield thing for the pistols. Um, mm-hmm. But like regarding the guns, like I'm the worst person to ask about. Like, what weapons did you use? Because I don't know the names of any of those things. Yeah. Well, well, they're they're like kind of letters and number type. Yeah. Guns, and then like you that's, know, that's and... never gonna stick in my memory. So I just <laughs> use some. Like... Yeah, but well, there's different types. I mean, right. did you use like a, a submachine gun, a heavy machine gun, a shotgun, or like uh, that? That's kind oh, of. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, in that case, like, the yeah, model yeah. numbers. Um, 
No, probably just like heavy machine guns mostly, and then, um, just yeah, the the dual wield pistols. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a neat mechanic because you've um, with your D pad. I don't I don't know what it what it is on uh, the Xbox, but you use your D pad to select one of four types of weapons. You've got um, you've got a machine gun, uh, which is you know kind of long range. Um, you've got your pistol, which is unlimited ammo. Uh, you've got a sort of a, a close or medium range weapon, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got a um, a heavy ex- a heavy artillery weapon like a you know like a rocket launcher or a grenade launcher or something. Yeah, of that it's nature. the exact same setup. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of neat. I really I really liked that sort of setup. Um, I, I ended up getting the Uzis at one point, and those were a lot of fun up close. Oh yeah. I mean, you if you, if you ran in a room with a lot of people as you turned the corner. Um, in more of the tighter areas, we were going through like the corridors and stuff. I would have those equipped and just I would just spray. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was a lot of fun to run into rooms and just start spraying. So, um, yeah, and I, th- I think that was a yeah. good choice over like the traditional weapon wheel where you have you know so many weapons to choose from to just limit it to four or like one of each kind mm-hmm. was a really good decision. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that better than just carrying one at a time and then have to do like some like kind of scrolling mechanic. You know, to try to find it and just just being able to press yeah, exactly. a D-pad direction and exactly. select it that was quick and a lot of fun. Yeah, great mechanic. Yeah, I bought the um, M4A1 assault rifle very early on. I think in my first play session with the game, and I used that for the entire game. Nice. Uh, I, I picked up uh, probably the same machine gun you were talking about, Sean, the heavy machine gun, and but I I, I didn't really like it. I, it seemed like it took too many shots to kill the enemies with it, at least for me. But uh, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say one of the last ones I picked up. I could, you know, usually one shot enemies with that, and it's pretty accurate. So it was one of the last ones, one of the more expensive ones. I think it was the last one on the list. Like even within each category, like there's like an entry level uh, heavy machine gun or a stronger heavy machine gun, right? So maybe maybe yeah. that's it too. Maybe that's why. Yeah, Steven I actually some... started out. I had one early in the game that I had picked up, but then the one I purchased from the um, the payphone, which is the the weapon. <laughs> oh, those payphones, man! <laughs> yeah, no, that's I actually we should mention that. That's kind of cool that you're you're walking around and you hear a phone <laughs> ringing and you know that you're near a weapon upgrade. Station. I kept thinking that was cool. my phone ringing. <laughs> my, my cell phone has the same ring. <laughs> uh. That's funny. It's kind of bizarre, it's kind of bizarre in a way. It's like, okay, let me send you these guns through the through the payphone. We'll, we'll <laughs> just know? UPS like, it to you. <laughs> that was a weird mechanic. It would have been, I think, it would have been better if like there was like a like an airplane drop or a, you know like a convoy that came by and threw it out and you could pick it up. That'd or be something cool. Like or just that. like some black market yeah. gun runner dude. Should have had the, the merchant from Resident Evil Four. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Oh man! Should we should we talk about my difficulties with the rocket launcher? Oh yeah, how you took down oh, yeah. uh, well, what? how you took down helicopters with your pistols? <laughs> yeah, yeah first of all, that's, that's how crazy. I roll, man. Come on. But did you end up figuring out the whole picking up weapons? I did. Uh, okay, good. I did. Good. I took out two helicopters though with basically a pistol. <laughs> how long did that's that take awesome. you? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. It, it's I want to say it, it's a strange mechanic, but you know, I would. 
use up all of my machine gun. Then I would go to my mid-range weapon and use that up. And then I would start using the pistol because usually things would be too far to hit with a grenade or a grenade launcher or something like that. But the mechanic is you hold on the PlayStation, you hold down, you have to hold down square. I was tapping square, couldn't pick anything up, but you have to hold it down uh, for some time, which is, a, it's a great yeah. mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I was, I, you know, I saw weapons on the ground and stuff and I, I never picked them up. You know, I was just kind of like, well, you know, I'm not going to pick any weapons up. I don't know why they're lying there. Apparently, I can pick them up somehow. But, you know, I, of course, I, I went on the threads, you know, to ask before I even looked at the manual. Well, well honestly, I had a hard time <laughs> figuring out, the, like, the weapon switching thing, too. Because, um, yeah, you'd see an, uh, a weapon on the ground, and then the icon would pop up when you're close enough to it. But you'd think, just press the button to switch, right? But it... Yeah, it I, I, I couldn't put it together that you had to hold. Um, I think on 360, it was X, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me say, there's just a lot satisfying about uh, using a 9mm to take Oh, I'm out. sure. <laughs> like, how, how, it must have taken you forever to do <laughs> that's that. That's gangster. <laughs> yeah, that's how I roll, man. <laughs> I use the weapon I am, um, uh, that I am used to, <laughs> the 9 <laughs> nice um so i don't you know w- this isn't like the deepest game in the world and i actually don't even have that much left in my notes but one one thing i wanted to talk about was the um the level design and what struck me with this game as i was playing it was that the, you know this game was obviously not made on the biggest budget in the world but I think that they were really smart with the way they guide you through the levels and then guide you back through them and then guide you through them sometimes even a third time but in a different direction. And the way they f- flush you through by having enemies come out of different mm-hmm. places and you'll find yourself taking cover on a different object from a different perspective but you're in the same environment. And again, harkening back to that, like kind of Dreamcast, um, it's almost like the, the, like Zombie Revenge or something, where there's like uh, this like alarm sound that comes that um, when the, when the reinforcements it, it are tells coming. you right, it tells you when where the enemies. It signals to you, mm-hmm. hey, look over here. Yeah. So then you're directed in in the direction that they're coming from. And lo and behold, there's, you know, strategic cover placed in front of you. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really a case where you can appreciate that the designers did a, a lot with a little with what they had to work with. Yeah, yeah, and you have the little the little red dots that say danger, and it gives you, like, an approximation of, like, how far it is away, you know, as right, well. Right. Which is Which was really nice, and... Like I said, sometimes, you know, I would go into rooms and stuff will start coming from other sides. I know one one place that was really bad about that was the market, you know, because those, like, uh, um, those doors would, like, raise up, you know, oh, right, around yeah. you yeah. and take one group out. So so you'd have to really be on your toes and, like, swing around your cover and because stuff would start coming from different directions or behind you. And so I, I like that mechanic. And one of the things I like playing the solo version, I know you didn't get to play us in the co-op, was that... You, um, your partner would always give you an indication of which way you needed to go, so you never felt lost or anything like that. I thought that was mm-hmm. nice. 
I did take advantage of that a couple of times playing solo is, yeah. oh, shoot, where am I supposed to go next? Okay, just follow Tony Ayo or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that did help a lot. But I liked uh, sometimes when I heard that little danger icon, danger, saw the danger icon and heard the le- little alarm, that told me throw a grenade through this door immediately <laughs> and then sometimes yeah. take out like four or five guys at once. I, I did the exact same That's a really good tactic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> I don't have enough experience with these type of games to even think about doing stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like I. Nah, but the only thing that really gave me a hard time was um, whenever you'd face those uh, turret-mounted machine gun guys. Yeah, that, that yes, was, they were tricky. That was always a tricky part. I would use my rocket launcher then. Eventually, yeah, I, I used a rocket launcher on those yeah, guys. Eventually, I discovered yeah. to just use the rocket launcher on them. But before that, you know, I thought, you know, okay, I'll try to be like tactical and come around behind them or something. But they're usually in um, hard to get places. So definitely yeah. made yeah. you think a little bit outside the box. And if you didn't move quick enough, someone else would jump on that gun as well and start That's firing right. it. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you'd have to use another rocket launcher blast. Because, of course, you know, rocket launchers don't damage the guns. That's right. So. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about that, like, uh, mansion scene. There'd always be some guy who would uh, um, take over on the, on, the, on the machine gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, did you guys go for any of the collectibles at all? Like, I was picking up the posters, but I wasn't going out of my way for them. And also yeah. the um, the targets that you could shoot, those are pretty cool. If you see one and you can hit it from off in the distance, that was pretty satisfying, even if you knew you weren't going to get all of them. It was cool to find them, like, hmm. every once in a while. Well, I didn't discover the targets until really late in no. the game. But, uh, the, oh, yeah, okay. no, I, I didn't know about them. them. <laughs> uh, the posters, the though. The targets were a lot harder to find. Yeah, the, the targets yeah. were pretty well hidden. Uh, but the posters, yeah, yeah, I didn't go out of my way either, but if I found yeah. one, I, I took it. You know, gave I, you a little nice point bonus. I, I would I would kind of look for them, but, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't obsess over it if I didn't find them all. I mean, I would I would look, you know, in every room and everything, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't. You know, dead set on finding all of them. So you just do like yeah, a, they were kind of in side rooms. You yeah. just did a quick once over once the room was cl- uh, clear, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they they would be in like little alleyways at like places you would walk past, and they would like end up behind you. I would grab yeah. them too, and because they they were also it's additional cash when you grab them mm-hmm. too. So you're kind of like oh, you might as well. It adds to your uh, money total when you do. So yep. Felt bad when I was taking down fifty cent posters though. It's like, why would he want to take down his own poster? <laughs> yeah, you should be plastering exactly. all over the place. You <laughs> should be tagging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the levels were concerned, I, I agree with you, Sean. I mean, like, kind of going, you know, the, the areas kind of going back on themselves, how you would kind of backtrack. Um, you know, maybe, um, you know, some C4 would pop up that you would, you know, end up using. And, um you know that was that was cool. I like you know the use of the C4 on the tank was was a pretty cool mechanic that you really didn't see any other time. You know, but um, yeah. you know it's still kind of a, a neat thing to you know add to the game. So you know, one thing I loved about this game that I just want to throw out before I forget is that there were a lot of you know there's tons of contextual button presses, especially well even if you're playing solo that you have to do with your partner to open a door or Mm -hmm. you know you can break through a door if you're if you there's a barrier climb a wall but what i love about it 
Yeah, exactly. The best thing about it is that even if you were like lifting a, a gate that you could see he was like straining to lift with his big old muscles, that it didn't make you mash on the A button. You just have to hit it once and watch the animation. And yeah. I was so appreciative of that because I'm so sick of, you know, open this door, turn this crank, do this by mashing on the A button. Mm. It's like, come that, on. That this was is a, not a pretty nice game. change. You know, because I mean, like, quick time events are pretty big right now. And it's always like to. To turn a crank, it's you know like spin the analog stick or to, to open something right, heavy, right. to mash this button. But to like yeah, like you said, press it once and it's done. And it's done. And exactly. No, yeah. And no matter where he is in the room, he could be like five rooms over, and if you hit that, he will eventually. He'll come just materialize running. beside you. <laughs> yeah. And then like yeah. pull up. But you you do have to wait on him. It takes him a while to kind of you know maneuver around stuff. But he does end up coming. Um, one of my favorite like graphics. I really like the. Um, the uh, the boost and the pull up uh, graphic. I thought that was really well done mm-hmm. and it looked really cool. Uh, you know, yeah. how, you know, he would like throw you up and then you would grab his arm and like pull him up. Um, mm-hmm. That that was that to me that that was really yeah. Neat. I wonder if that was a uh, motion capture or if it was just um, computer animation because it was really smooth. Yeah, it looked good. I mean, um, so yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, well, I mean. Like I said, there's not a lot of depth here. This is a good, good arcadey third-person shooter. I think, you know, a lot of people were surprised by how good it was. I wasn't because I knew what I had heard about it, and you know that's why I chose it as our game. I needed something light and fluffy after all the deep RPGs and system shocks and everything else. I just needed something that I could you know, turn off my brain and just blow some suckers away, you know? So and that kind of describes yeah. the game really well. It's just like, yeah, you can shut off your brain and just shoot stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had honestly, we all had fun with it. I did. I had honestly never heard of this me. game I, until, uh, until we played it. Um, and I know, um, licensed games get a bad rap, but this was well done. Yeah. What, what were you saying, Steven? I was just I was just agreeing with Sean that uh, you know I had just come off playing some long winded RPGs and I you know this was a you know exactly what I needed just a game where you just run and shoot guys and you don't need to think about it and it was you know nothing deep going on here yeah um, yeah, yeah um, it's probably yeah I, I wasn't even going to participate in the playthrough until I heard that it had co op I was you know I mentioned before that I'm not like a a rap guy or a fan of 50 cent so i was you know i kind of wrote the game off like i think a lot of people do yeah um i heard it had co-op and i was only going to play it in co-op but it didn't quite work out uh but uh so i, I still enjoyed it in uh single player though yeah um although i um i do plan on playing it the whole thing in co-op again uh very soon actually yeah cool. and, and i think like and and you know I, i've heard from some people in the community and I think, like, a lot of people had written off, and, and I'd heard from a lot of people, like, why are you guys playing that game, you know? Why why that? I mean, we're, you know, as a community playthrough, and, and I realized this, and especially with the 2014 that we had and the games that um, we played, there were a lot of games that were, like, blockbuster titles, like, super classics that, you know, everyone likes to play through. But I think, you know, at least for myself, in a few games that I played last year and in some I'm going to play this year, they're going to be games that aren't on everyone's radar, uh, games that maybe not you've not heard about. And I think playing games like that 
are as much, if not more, satisfying than playing something you've played through three or four times. You know it's a good game. You've heard about it. I mean, it's nice to find these like kind of little hidden gems that you didn't realize were on certain systems. And it's the same reason we watch YouTube videos. Um, you know that people put out oh hidden gems on this system or that system. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you surprise yourself with a yeah. with a game like this. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people who weren't into rap probably didn't even look twice um, when they heard about this game or when they saw it. But I mean, yeah. even if like the like the music or the or the theme isn't your thing like mechanically it's it's really well made and it's just it's just a fun little shooter well let's talk about the music for a second i mean you know i thought the music went really well with the game i don't i don't know if anybody else i mean i don't listen to a lot of rap music but at the same time i mean just the sort of the beat the way the kind of beat like sways when you're listening to the music i think it made it for like a more kind of uh, fun and sort of lively atmosphere to be able to like i mean i would like crank it up and play you know and it just it it just sort of livened the game up for me as far as you know having that as opposed to some just sort of you know arcadey type music i I just kind of really you know enjoyed you know the lyrics and you know yeah like everything everything matched right yeah, I thought it, mm-hmm. I like I thought the music and the gameplay matched up mm-hmm. and and meshed really well together. I don't know what you guys thought about that. Like I, I, I am uh, by no means somebody who who likes rap music, but exactly, I, I, I yeah. thought um, that it worked really well in this sense. Like and like it really gets your adrenaline going. Like like you said, the beat of the music, um, and I guess just like the. Um, the angst that is kind of associated with rap music. Yeah, the aggressiveness of the lyrics yeah, and things. Yeah, like, like it. That. It all really clicks together and it all works together. Yeah, yeah I can totally see that. I um, I actually went to the options because I'm such an anti-rap guy. <laughs> uh, you know, I went to the options and actually really lowered the uh, volume of the music, um, but I could still kind of hear it. I uh, just couldn't hear it that well, but I could still kind of get the the beat from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I can really see where it, it does work. Uh, it fits pretty well. Um, you know, obviously, I would have probably preferred some heavy metal, but you know, this is a fifty cent game, not a not a Slayer game. So Slayer uh, would work, or maybe Pantera. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we had talked about a little bit about the levels too, but um, and and like I said, I really like the level design, as Sean mentioned, kind of running back on itself. I, I do think that the levels got a little redundant sometimes and there were there were these few levels i think there may be two or three three levels where they kind of broke that up a bit there was um a, there was a one driving level there was a, a helicopter where you shoot from the helicopter level and then there was a chase a final chase mm-hmm. that those were the only three correct that's right yeah and the first driving oh, level yeah. okay. exactly. wasn't really a driving level i think he just had to shoot yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, no. You you drive. Oh yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. The first one, you don't shoot. And I guess with co-op, one of you actually shoots. Which, which... <laughs> you know, what's funny when we, when I played with Steven, I'm playing. <laughs> we're playing co-op, and I was in the gunner's seat, and I said, "Wow, this is pretty cool." When I played solo, all I could do was drive, and Steven says, 
all I can do is drive because I was the one shooting. It was kind was of like, funny. Yeah, you got the shoot out. Yeah, what a dumb thing that was to say. <laughs> hey, I'm getting to shoot. What are you doing? I yeah. just get to drive. No, I, this sucks, man. I, the driving scenes were cool, and I like the mechanic of driving, but I, I didn't like the fact, like you're mentioning, that you can't shoot and that you're just kind of taking hits from other cars, you know, and, and losing life, and you can't really dodge yeah. that well. You can't dodge the bullets. I mean, I died quite a few times on that final chase because, you know, you can't dodge. I mean, you can crash into the other cars, and I think, I think, I don't know if you earn life for doing that, but it almost seems like, you know, it, that helped me regenerate when I would crash in. Maybe it was because when I crashed them, I wasn't getting shot anymore. Um, but but to to die on those levels because of that was kind of annoying. I mean, I wish it was more well, like of a time thing. Did you know that you could boost while you were driving? I did not the, know that. The, oh. Yeah, no, of course I does the uh, bullet time. <laughs> if you hit it, you would boost while you were oh, driving, really? and that was really helpful. Yeah. Jeez, of course. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I thought it was hilarious <laughs> in that uh, final driving scene. Um, I would ram into some of the enemy cars. Sometimes I, sometimes I would just barely clip them, and they would just do this exaggerated explosion and just start flipping through the air. Michael uh, Bay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, you know, I would just barely tap them sometimes, and they would just fly off. And did, you, an explosion. did you hit some of those ramps and do some sweet jumps? I did. I hit that yeah. one mandatory ramp, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually got lost during that first driving scene because like eventually get to how do you get lost it's a one-way street (laughs) you get to that roundabout or like cul-de-sac place and then everything was fenced off i didn't know you could pass right through the fence oh okay too much real life driving 7-eleven to get directions Oh my! <laughs> what did you guys think of the uh, helicopter turret sequence, though? I actually that loved that. That was my one. favorite part of the game. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. I sometimes I felt like I couldn't. You, you know, there was you just didn't have a window that you had to shoot in. You can move it like up and down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would have trouble finding where the enemy fire was coming from. But all in all, I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. Just just like holding yeah. it down and blasting. And I'm going to tell you guys, if you. If you guys like that, that helicopter scene, um, man, I have got the game for you. You you guys need to play. Um, it, it's on the Wii, actually. It's called L.A. Guns. It's an arcade game. And that's all it is. You are in, like, a helicopter, and the screen just, like, flips around, and you just hold the button down, and you just keep firing. And it sounds really it was cool. Was it downloadable? Game. I don't know if it was or not. Um, mine's not downloadable. Mine's a disc. Uh, but I played this in the arcade. Um, this was several years ago. Some friends and I went to Atlanta and went to Dave and Buster's, <clears> and we just Dave and Buster's has a bar inside, and we just got loaded and played LA Machine Guns like all afternoon. Um, and and it's it, it's that same experience. So if you like that, you need to check that game out. It's really cool. It's LA Machine Guns and something else. Uh, let's see. I'm pulling off my shelf. It's it's called the Arcade Hits Pack Gunblade New York and LA Machine Guns. So yeah, you guys check it out. I think it's cheap. Oh too. yeah, I see it. All right, yeah, I'm gonna put that on my radar. Yeah, do Looks it. like a lot of so fun. much fun. So much fun. Cool man. Yeah, that helicopter scene was was a lot of fun. I I didn't let go of the fire button once. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. something to be said about that. Yeah. yeah, you know, a lot of games, when you man a turret like that, they'll, the turret will overheat if you hold it down too long. Yeah. I, I really don't like that. I like it when games just let you fire uncontrollably. Come on. Who, like who, video games that are like John Woo movies. Yes. Who, who, you know, no reloading <laughs> whatsoever. Who needs realism? No, no. If they're out the door, I'm already 50 cent in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> chasing down a diamond-crusted skull right. after playing on stage completely strapped. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's funny he's he's on stage and he's got a bulletproof vest you know (laughs) grenades strapped to his belt like this guy is prepared for war exactly well that does it for me gentlemen i don't know if you have anything else to say about the game any other notes of of importance but i think we all had a fun time and yeah yeah it was a bit of a surprise hit for all of us i think yeah, and like you said, sometimes it's just awesome just to play something that's fun. You know, it doesn't have to be serious or, you know, something you have to be so serious about beating or something extremely difficult. I mean, uh, you know, just just have fun with it, you know, and that's that was what this month was about. Because Kid Icarus was completely brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I didn't play that. <laughs> All right, so uh, Floyd, you're going to host uh, our game in February, which is going to be uh, the DS cult classic. Nine, nine, nine. Nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. Would you mind giving us just a really, really quick, uh, you know, prelude? Okay. To what that um, playthrough is going to be like. So nine, nine, nine is one of those choose your own adventure games um, where your decisions predict uh, the outcomes of various events but it's a very different twist on um, what you're probably used to in, in a choose your own adventure game like if you're thinking something like heavy rain or you know like the walking dead or the wolf among us throw all that out all out the window because this is going to be a really different experience I mean um, it's uh it's very story driven and your story can end very abruptly and very unsatisfactorily um but uh it's something that i've been looking forward to playing for a long time um and something that's been on my radar for probably even longer and as a as a big Mm -hmm. fan of uh story driven games and and you know like those narrative uh it's almost like a a visual novel um should be uh, an interesting change, especially uh, when it's coming right after 50 Cent. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of a, a controversial choice. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to have fun with you guys on this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be joining Floyd on that too. And I'll just say it's it's a neat game. It's um, There's a lot of puzzles and stuff that you have to figure out. Uh, each room um, has a different puzzle. And um, it's really neat, you know, it's kind of an item grab game and you have to manipulate and use items and areas uh, to make it out of these rooms. Um, and so, you know, it's got that puzzle element which keeps you on your toes and, you know, it's just a really neat mechanic and the, the game's very, very heavily story driven and I think a lot of people are going to really like the animation and the artwork in this game. And to me, it seems like something that, uh, that Sean would really like. Um, as far as the artwork's concerned. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Nice. And if anybody wants to join us, listeners, uh, log on to rfgeneration.com and check out our community playthrough sub forum and uh, sign up and play and join us and talk about the game with us. that's the show friends thank you for listening and a very special thank you to everyone who joined the playthroughs and to our special guest duke togo for joining the show remember to visit rfgeneration.com to participate in our playthroughs discuss the games or leave feedback on this podcast join us next month in our playthroughs for february 2015 in which steven will be hosting the legend of zelda a link to the past for the snes and Floyd will be hosting Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, more commonly known as 999, for the Nintendo DS. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast. (laughs) 